Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Wrestling on the Rocks, episode one. Again, welcome to the dive bar of the IWC. I'm at Ref Marsh. We're at WOTR the show. With us today, we got Bishop from Terrible Wrestling Takes. 
And boy, do we need terrible takes this week more than ever. Howdy. Yeah, man. TubaTakesPodcast.com. You'll find everything you need there. A couple dead links, a couple links that still work. You know, all that good stuff. Hodgepodge. <laughs> a little bit of a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, you know man, the worst part about the, the Good Brothers not being on TV is not getting the best Stone Cold Steve Austin impression. I know, dude. Can you imagine how much they could do that? Here's the other weird part to me as far as Good Brothers go. Fucking, they're not injured. Right. AJ is. <laughs> right. <laughs> and Carl went to Japan for the one match, and that's over, so... Right. <laughs> Why aren't they out there at all? You could be used. There's we've talked about it week after week about this lack of like tag team cohesion going on and about how the tag division seems a bit split and the fact that you even have Drew and Sheamus trying to rise through and they're taking out all these dominant tags. Like, look, we love the Good Brothers, but they could eat a loss to Drew and Sheamus, no problem. You know what I mean? Like, why aren't they right. getting beat to guys like that? And I know we're all SmackDown, whatever, but. Where the fuck the good brothers, man? Yeah, because they're good brothers. Yeah, they're just hanging out, popping yeah. the boys in the back. <laughs> and then Mia, because the other thing is this is Mia's still out there doing stuff from time yeah, to time. that's true. That's true. Meechin. So I couldn't, I mean, and even her gear, the last match she had was all club. Had OC yeah. logos on it and shit. So why weren't they just at least walking out there with her, giving her the two sweet and then walking back? Nate has like a, a broken ankle, right? Like he's yeah, yeah, he's out for a while. So the Good Brothers should be doing something. Yeah, let him do something. Let him just have some matches. Right. But they weren't forced on TV to circumvent this great storylines that we're having on Raw, right? Like this fantastic Raw we had. They couldn't have been fit on there for anything to make it any better, right? <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of stuff that could have. I mean, even SmackDown. I mean. <clears throat> This was a rough week, man. I'm constantly talking about how WWE is killing it. I, what did I even say before uh, Rumble? I was like, look, a few of these stories are getting a little rushed, but my hunch is on the other side. There's a clear plan, and we're going to be off to the races. And it's going to be like, <laughs> or, like, and now I'm watching. I was like, dude, we're like fucking three, four weeks away, and I'm feeling yeah. like I'm feeling like a bunch of stuff is being tossed together or, or rushed, or there's things that we'll get into it. There's things that appear to be a larger storyline but the matches realistically are only like adjacent to those storylines so it's like why why are we hearing right now also there's only like four matches announced for mania if you're really getting to the are they trying to pretend that i don't know know. what's in your glass man what are you drinking well i'm starting with some sprite and titos Mm -hmm. um You know, good old fan favorite, Tito's. Um, And then when that's done, I haven't decided if I'm going to mix the Zoe, a little Black Adam Zoe. I haven't gone through Mm -hmm. it yet with Tito's. Uh, Or just go straight out the can. And then a little water in case, you know, I just decide to stay hydrated. So Yeah, you got to be. But right now, Sprite Zero and Tito's. Uh, I'm going to try. For the first time we saw this, um, and so we picked it up. Why does it say makes two? I gotta read this now, but there is a um, espresso martini, organic espresso martini by Crook and Marker, and it's zero sugar, zero carbs. So it's actually a cocktail that is keto. The majority of the ones we get, I have to like goof around with, and is it going to be keto? Mix my own stuff. 
Um, but the idea of an espresso martini that's keto, especially because most of the coffee based ones all have like sugar, sugar. Yeah. Yeah. Or some type of fake milk in it. Yeah, exactly. Make, I think it's just saying that serving size two per. Okay, I think that's all they're saying is that that this is two drinks worth because it's supposed to be in martini glass and those are tiny. Gotcha. You uh, what what is it? Five all? Uh, alcohol percent? I think it's a ten. Ten percent. Ten percent. So that'll be good. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's like that's pretty damn close to a a stiff drink. I mean, a regular martini should be around seventeen to twenty. Yeah. Yeah, and I need it. <laughs> Might need a little fresh coffee to top that off. <laughs> oh, what is, why is it like sour? Maybe they should have added sugar. Zero sugar. Oh, well, that is sour, dude. Hey, it's the perfect drink to go along with what we watched. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. We just to throw it out there, we watched a little bit of something from Raw and you made those similar faces. So <laughs> Yeah. Man. Dude, even at the end of Raw, I'm watching it like uh, and produce lady turns to me and she goes, Is this good? <laughs> True story. So, like I can't figure out how it is, if I'm honest. We'll get into that. Mama. Oh. Oh. So well, cheers. Up some, yeah, cheers. I'm going to get some sweetener here in a second. I got some some keto sweetener. I'm going to try and give this a little punch. Um, yeah. But uh, uh, before we do, this random thing popped up on my feed here about news. And I don't know why it's news today because it looks like on February 19th. Oh, I'll tell you exactly why it's news today. Because DMZ reported it today, and all the internet sleuths and insiders don't know shit. But on February 19th, Sony Deville was arrested, dude. No shit. Yeah, she was arrested for, uh, she did, let's see. The valet, a valet contacted police on February 19th when they found a gun in the glove box of her car. And she was arrested because she didn't have a proper permit to carry a gun in New Jersey. Mm. Um. So she was charged with unlawful possession, and she's gonna have a court date this month. I mean, fuck! I can't. I can't fault her for that, dude. The shit yeah, she's hell gone no. through. Yeah. You know? Just good thing she wasn't into the next state. She'd have been fucking locked up for two years, automatic. That's true too. Does she live in yeah. Jersey? She was. In Florida, I, right? I guess. I, I well, oh. the break-in was in Florida, but I don't know her situation with her new fiance and everything, where they do their whole deal. So that's um, a good point. That's a good you know, point. Plus, even the break-in was during um pandemic, so they, everyone was staying in Florida to just... That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no. Wait a second. So, this happened This happened two weeks ago, and TMZ's reporting it now, but mm-hmm. not one of those subscription-based dirt sheets had reported it at all. Yeah. No, they had no idea. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean I can't. I mean the shit she's gone through. Yeah, fuck. She yeah. should have a gun, man. I don't knock her one bit, but yeah, I mean I guess unless she just got the gun, you you got time to get your permit, man. You can get the permit, and you got time and money. You just get the permit. They're not that difficult to get. Yeah, shooting classes, you get hurt. It's not that bad, and it's better for you too. 
It's better for you because you take those classes and now you're a better shot. Last thing you want is a gun for protection and not being able to protect yourself with it because you have little experience with it. You know what I mean? Little professional right. experience with it. Um, so yeah, get your permit. <laughs> Pay the fine. Is there a chance? Is there a chance that the dirt cheats pick it up and go, well, for the uh, you know, the safety of the performer, we didn't want to say anything. Oh, they'll <laughs> however they got you. Um, that's only news, but yeah, I don't yeah. I don't feel bad about that. Do you think? Uh let's see. Let's talk SmackDown. Man, dude, last week we were so fucking hype off Elimination Chamber. So much so I came on to a week that I wasn't supposed to be here. Yeah, because it was so fucking exciting. And then this week had me going like, what are we watching? It was so exciting. This weekend, I was like, dude, is there fucking wrestling on? Like, is there a is there a pay-per-view right now? That's how much I love the Elimination Chamber. Yeah. Dude, if I can find better results real quick because well this has stuff listed so we'll just go with this um let's see Smackdown opened up Braun Strowman Ricochet and Madcap Moss why was he in part against Imperium because he lost a match that he won a Rumble to a Battle Royal to get he lost a match fair like I this made no sense it's not like there's a grudge here he won a Battle Royal he lost a match with absolutely no shenanigans Right, and then now he's all like, and same thing with a Imper- piece of my mind. <clears throat> and Imperium against uh, Strowman and Ricochet was for the number one contendership. Fucking what, three weeks ago? Yeah, and that now was just I, to tell the story of Jay coming back. Like it's, it's, yeah, it was to tell the story of Jay coming back, and I think it was to turn give a reason for Braun and Ricochet to become a team. And so they they have had a little bit of a rivalry because they both had issues with Gunther that. Imperium was getting in the way with, and then they're being dicks about stuff. So, I mean, it was loosely there, but it was a competitive-based, right? We want that yeah. title. They're yeah. being jerks. Let's have another match. Let's have another match. Boom, boom, boom. And then also, Moss is like, hey, guys, I don't like them neither. Bet. Like... <laughs> I mean, it's not as forced as you're making it seem. I mean, he was the last contender for the the uh the ic title and you have uh, a trio so what other three are connected so like you said it's competition based that's why they did it but it was forced trios match it's gratuitous a gratuitous trios match yeah Yeah. it wasn't it wasn't necessarily forced because they are connected in that way um but yes there is no more beef because it's not like he got fucked over by imperium was like hey you guys beat imperium so why don't you guys Come with me, and we'll take on Gunther and Imperium together. You know, yes, it would have been better. Didn't even Madcap fluked himself into a number one contender spot. It's not like he had so many wins under his belt; he was on the way, moving that way. Ricochet won a tournament. Yeah, Ricochet won a tournament. Braun Strowman was screwed out of that tournament, and Madcap won a battle royal. Right. Like he just doesn't have the same right reason to to be there. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. So I was kind of like, okay, but at the same time, I like, I mean, honestly, I like all six of these guys. And I think Madcap is very underrated. I think he needs a new name more than Piper needed a new name. We'll get to that. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I mean, the match was fine. It was cool, but I was like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. And then 
Did the Viking Raiders come out on this one? Yes. After the match, Viking Raiders attacked McIntyre and Sheamus. Why were McIntyre and Sheamus out there? They right. were just standing there, right? Right. God. Dude, this... I wanted McIntyre and Sheamus to be a team so bad two years ago. And now it feels as we're starting to pick up some really good tag teams, they're suddenly there. And it feels like... It feels like it's all built around something for Drew to have. Yeah, right after Drew lost to Randy, instead of getting it back, the the WWE title, I wanted that to happen. Sheamus and McIntyre. Look, just get Drew away from the title, build him up with Sheamus. They can be tag champs because Sheamus is amazing in tag teams. What him and Cesaro did with the bar was fucking incredible. And then you can help me give a shit about Drew. But to your point, now that Drew is here, it's as if Drew is being forced to be in front of us like he was his entire title run. Yeah, especially because during that time, the tag team division was didn't feel like as strong as the potential for it to feel right now does. Braun and Ricochet yeah. feel like a team that ought to be together and doing really good stuff. They're using... I mean, they're also doing moves together. Again, Sheamus and Drew so far have done synchronized offense, not tandem offense. Right. That's a big problem I have with tags. Right. They don't wrestle like a tag team. They wrestle like two singles guys having a match with a tag team. Yeah. Because there's different psychology in tag matches and singles matches, and I think that that gets lost a lot in the star power concept. Just for the private conversation we have to that point, that's one thing we did leave out before we got on about what Dakota and EO were doing on Raw, is that they, they did wrestle with tag team psychology. They cut off the ring. They... You know, they cut the ring in half. They they work their way together better than you would assume just two singles do. So at least give them credit yeah. for that. But that's for later. Yeah. I didn't want to forget because I'll forget by that. So. Oh, no. Cause I was going to talk about a little bit of that, too. Where it's like, even when we started to see it, it was also falling apart. But yeah. Um, but yeah, at this point now, it's like Drew comes out and stares at them and watches and why like and the other thing on why is like it's not like drew's watching the tag champions i'm being like oh i want them right he's watching imperium and braun and ricochet at best but braun and ricochet haven't really done a lot as a tag team necessarily outside of that so i don't see and then the viking raiders come out and it's like it's all seemingly a little forced to give mcintyre something to stand on I don't like it. The Rey Mysterio Santos thing. What do you think about that? Uh, that that feels forced. That feels. Forced. You think? Yeah, yeah. They don't have to do it. What do you mean? Why do they not have to do it? They don't have to keep them next to each other. Before they before they got next to each other, they. Santos was kind of building his own aura, but now the closer he gets to to Ray, the less legato is the thing. Legato's not around him when he's doing it. It does. Right. I don't know if they're trying to shed him of legato, but I do really like and appreciate the idea that Santos just. I mean, it's the flip side to Dom, right? And we're seeing that play out in real time as Dom's doing everything he can to disrespect Ray. So is Carrion at a certain point. Ray can't have no friends at all. He's been around too long and is too nice of a guy for us to believe that no one gives a shit that he's here. You know what I mean? 
So I think they're right. trying to at least build some form of ally. And what better ally than somebody who's got a Lucha background, who made it here, who can say, I look to you for guidance in a lot of those, that path, you know? So I think it works and it's good because Ray should have somebody. Dude, can you imagine Karrion Cross and Dominic Mysterio becoming tag champions? <laughs> <laughs> um. But I liked it, and I liked it. Uh, I liked Santos talking shit to Dom, Dom hiding behind Rhea. I don't, I don't mind a lot of it because that at least feels like it's going somewhere. Do you think we get the Dom Ray retirement Mania match? Not this year, no. I, I think Ray has been off of TV so much that they're not building towards retirement. He'd be more on TV, like run. yeah, like the way Kurt Angle had it. He kind of like. You know, a couple singles matches week by week to make sure um, he's seen a lot and kind of goes out on a high, you know, the way Kurt Angle went out with uh, Baron Corbin. Yeah. Yeah, what can you do with Santos and Dom? Because that's the thing, too, is when Dom is over there with Rhea, the rest of Judgment Day is not around. There's a lot of kind of splits. So you have these factions that aren't always all around each other, which I guess in a way is actually kind of cool. Right. Right. Which, well, which <laughs> let's just leave it there real quick. Which is just like that that particular point shits all over Johnny Gargano shitting on uh, Judgment Day on Monday night because like he, he they're doing an interview and Judgment Day comes up and Johnny calls them like adults going through a goth phase and Damian Priest is like you said goth you're cool like. They're not just that. Their their characters are doing this. Dom yeah. went with Rhea because she's so important. She's going for the SmackDown Women's title and fucking is involving that with, you know, fucking with his dad. And they're yeah. the two that go to, uh, uh, you know, the parents and grandparents' house for the holidays to fuck shit up. Like, yeah. it's, it's way bigger than that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They are all connected, but they're not interconnected. Yeah. Exactly. And Gargano with his stupid little Mormon haircut. <laughs> yeah, wh- who said it? Uh, Graves said it, right? Like, Gargano looks like he went to... He's been getting a boy's haircut for, like, 30 years or some shit like that. Really? That's fucking Oh, funny. yeah. Yeah, I know you tune out when Gargano's on TV, but it's like, why is this... Nobody's had that haircut since they were 11 years old or something. That's so good, dude. That's such a good line. Uh, but yeah, I did actually turn the volume way, way down on, on that one. So uh, let's see. Um, let me see here. Let me pull up. So then um, New Day comes out. They interrupt LA Knight. Dude, that LA Knight promo, though, was sick. Like LA Knight was doing so good and getting the crowd behind him on everything. They were yanking at him. They were doing the LA Knights. He was shutting him down because he's being a dick. He's so impressive with getting the crowd over on his side when you think that there's no reason why they would. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. It it was a little unfortunate because it definitely – like, actually, I ended up watching that segment in the way that I thought you would instead of just mm-hmm. taking it in for myself, and I just kept finding myself feeling bad for LA Knight. I know, dude. Because, like, yeah. he came out the backside of this Bray Wyatt thing without having a chance – to really like shine in success. It's always in defeat. And 
I was like, okay, maybe he's getting his turn this time. And then every time he was about to get that like little edge up, he gets knocked down a peg, knocked down a peg. It's very deflating. It is. It's tough, dude, and it's weird. And even this match, he loses because of a trombone. Like, that's yeah. what did it. He got tromboned yeah. in the face, and then Kofi beats him. Yeah. Like, I don't know, man. I even like when he was talking shit to Woods while he's fighting. Like, he's just so good at, like, the shit talk. And he just needs his chance. I mean, he, he almost had that chance. Like, I remember, because I used to come on and talk NXT with you, too, that him doing the, the Million Dollar Feud, was his his way at least in our perception his way of proving he can carry a feud because at yeah. that time no one could carry a feud in NXT yeah. so it was yeah. the, it was the two of them Grimes and LA Knight who were circling around DiBiase but DiBiase again to be a legend to come back like the opposite of JBL he was the center point of the story like the 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 tentpole of the story where JBL was like the full on piece of what was happening with uh, Baron Corbin. So for LA Knight and Cameron Grimes to really be able to tell that story, it's like, okay, cool. Now LA Knight can now tell stories beyond this gimmick of the million dollar title. And we never got that. And we still don't have that. But that's why when everyone was hating on maximum male models, I was like, no, no, no. If anyone can have the shine for owning an entity, it is Max Dupree. You know, he, he was going to be able to take that to a certain way. But for all you triple H throaters out there, he gets the book, changes the name back to L.A. Knight. What is he doing with him? He's allowing him to kind of like pay dues again, but he doesn't have to. We've seen it. Let's 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 get some positive going here. Yeah, I was really, I like. I thought it was really cool when he got out of the other side of the pitch black match, and he just cuts that one promo. He goes, "I don't want to talk about Bray. I don't want anything to do with Bray. I'm moving on. Let's you wait till you see what's next for." me right and he comes out here and he cuts this cool promo where he's all like how are you gonna have an la mania without la night right i'm gonna give i don't need a mania moment mania needs an la moment and i was like that's cool man he's like being cocky he's like saying i'm a big deal this thing's named after me the same way that bianca wants to go out there and say you can't spell wrestlemania without est the same way that becky said wrestlemania you know whatever puts the man in mania like He's doing the same thing where he's all like, look, I'm this big. And it's the irony is that he has not had the chance to prove necessarily that he's on that level to be talking that kind of shit. But his ego as a character is such that he's not going to do otherwise. Right. Right. Which makes it even more sad when you see that the crowd just is getting behind him so fast. And then, yeah, he comes out here and he loses this match, too. And you're kind of like, is he? gonna have a thing with one part of the new day like i don't know where this is going now you know what i mean like i thought anyone could take a loss yeah if anyone could take a loss it's kofi in that spot right yeah now we could be we could be jumping on it too quick maybe this friday they have a rematch and la knight gets the top you know what i mean like there's a chance it just doesn't feel that way it doesn't feel like there's any momentum behind la knight yeah i think that yeah, it feels like Xavier Woods is going to have a match with Deli Knight and then also win. Right. And he's going to get laughed at by the two of them as they're yes. walking out because that's what the New Day does after success is that they just go straight comedy. Yes. Yeah. 
I'm trying to even think. Do you th- I mean, that's what I mean. This whole like mania thing I felt like was going to feel like this road to WrestleMania was going to be so fucking like a train just barreling through and you're going to see stuff coming and be, get cool surprises. Why are they starting to build something with him in the new day on the way towards mania? Do you think they're going to put him in a tag when he's so clearly shown that as a single he thrives? I, I can't. I Because who, right? Like, there's no even... He's so egocentric that exactly. there's there's no one else he can pull from. Um, yeah, and honestly, until the, the Miz stuff on uh, on Raw... I mean, he said it perfectly. You can't have an L.A. WrestleMania without L.A. Knight. And uh, what if he was the host of WrestleMania? Like, that's yeah. almost seemingly a better a better use. A night one, night two kind of host would mm-hmm. be awesome. Mm-hmm. And maybe Miz and L.A. Knight have to fight it out. Hey, only yeah. one of you get to be host. Have a match on fucking SmackDown and decide or Raw, you know? Or two out of three falls. You know what I mean? Like, do a thing where you make it so he's in the match with somebody or the whole time let's fantasy book. Cause this is what I do best. The whole time they're gearing up towards WrestleMania. The Miz is saying what he says. As soon as WrestleMania starts, the Miz welcome everybody to the most blah, 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 blah. LA night music comes out. He comes to the ring, fucking kicks Miz in the dick. And just goes, who's hosting WrestleMania now? LA night. Yeah. Yes. 80,000 nah, people. Nah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Nah, like, nah. You're not going to have this rest, thing hosted yeah. by the Miz. <laughs> WrestleMania. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So fucking funny. Be awesome. The only person I can think of to put in a tag with LA Knight, not because it makes actual sense, but just because who the fuck maybe would be like Cameron Grimes. No one's seen or heard from him in months. And they have yeah. their pseudo history from NXT, which Triple H likes to pretend everybody knows right so i could see that but they never exactly got on good terms yeah champa would be the only one the only other one because they did the war games together too but i hear you like the the only one is grimes because that's look i i watched so much nxt at that point in time to be honest i don't remember him wrestling anyone else besides grimes you know i know he had other matches i believe he actually wrestled bronson reed too because um because they had good chemistry but um him and Grimes is all I remember. So Grimes yeah. would be the one if anyone's going to get pulled in that scenario. Uh, but Ciampa too, because but I don't know what's up with him or if anyone knows what's up with him. Maybe I got to yeah. try to be unblocked from dirt sheets to figure out what's up with Ciampa. Um, I mean, no one's talked about him in a while. Last I heard, he was still recovering from another injury. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, dude, it was um, it was a really good talking segment that ended up with LA Knight eating another loss. And it just I don't know where we're going. Sometimes it's cool not to know where you're going. Other times you just can't figure out the point. Well, it's cool to not know where you're going if it's not all in front of you. Like, this feels like a definitive L.A. Night ain't shit. Yes. You know, like when the Usos right now, like we don't know who the Usos are going to face at WrestleMania. We have an idea, but there really isn't. Like You can say Sammy and KO, right? But it's not like Sammy and KO are standing next to each other with promos challenging the Usos. But there's also a chance that Jimmy and Jay face each other at WrestleMania. We mm-hmm. we we literally don't know. 
when it comes to LA Knight, we don't know what he's going to do at WrestleMania, but it actually looks like he's not going to do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And then it uh, was followed up by more. Charlotte Flair comes out to cut her promo. Prison Don comes out to save the segment. <laughs> Dude, here's the thing. Producer lady is a Latina woman from California of Mexican descent. She was getting really upset here when we were watching it. Not just because she doesn't like Charlotte, but she said, who the fuck is this white woman to tell Dominic he's not Latino enough? Because mm-hmm. the other thing is that producer lady is light skinned. And so she's grown up with a lot of issues with being a light skinned Latino in those communities and has been in a number of instances where she's been put on the spot of how Latina are you? You know what I mean? pronounce this pronounce that with right. and it's it's a point of contention for sure and she's not alone in it and it's a thing right um she was so offended by charlotte trying to out latino dom that i even mentioned it in a group chat i was in somewhere else where i was all like man how the fuck like that's what she said you know who the fuck is this white woman to tell latin dom he's not latin enough uh and try to out latin dumb and a white guy in the chat goes and she did and i was like no see that's the problem is that you don't get to say that you know what i mean like right you don't get to say this white woman is doing a better job of being latin than dom because she said something with a bit of an accent because or the ability to identify latin than dom yes what is or what is not define latin than dom exactly yeah. yeah you are now telling dom where where being Mexican and Latin lies because you've married into it. She even said, my producer lady, as she's like walking away from the segment, she goes, this bitch is one divorce away from being white, right back into the, the white pool she started in. You know, she's not suddenly Latin because she married in. Right. right. Well, I made I made the comment because we we never me and you specifically, we never shy away from these topics because we're able to talk like humans. Um, But I made the comment with you and Kev on here. I was like, we're all white guys here. And then you guys both let me know that that's not necessarily the case, but it's not. But it's but there there is a perception to how you carry yourself and how people see you. And that's more than okay because you're allowed to live how you need to. For even you to go down this road and from the from the lens of producer lady and not yourself shows a testament to your own character that you could tell the same story through your own eyes. But it's what is it that is happening in this segment, even as a a non-ethnic identifying person, because I'm Irish Italian, but I don't call myself an Irish American or an Italian American, and I don't um, make sure that when people say words that are ethnically offensive, I I don't get up in arms because I'm not that guy. But when Charlotte did this, for one, the smug smirk she had Mm -hmm. was so offensive that, again, it's fucking wrestling, right? Like, it's it's wrestling. But it's, it's earn your stripes. Show the equity you have as a performer that you care about us 
and not yourself. It, you didn't make it any better. I can't make this any better, <laughs> for, man. I'm putting for the audio listeners cleaning. like myself. Please tune into YouTube or Twitch or what have you and watch Marsh try to turn this horrifying espresso martini into something he can actually drink. There is a chance you can give up and dump it out, but alcohol is alcohol. <laughs> yeah, dude, I can't figure out what to do here. I was. Charlotte's entire presentation yeah. is about one upping the person around them, not elevating yes. anything. And even me, like when when she goes, I have a real Latino man at home that calls me mommy. Um, OK, again, I grew up in a part of New York where inner city slang is inner city slang, and it's rotated in who's talking to you and who you are talking to. So yeah. you say words that aren't culturally appropriate and today aren't appropriate at all. So yeah. I've said them all. I've heard them all. I've, I've used them all, whatever. Like we went down that path as children. You grow up and make sure your kids don't do that. Shouts to Jay Briscoe. Exactly. Like you find a way to, to be respectful of cultures, not appropriate yourself into cultures. So when she did this, I'm like, Number one, I thought Andrade's not on the fucking roster, so there is no payoff to your comment. Andrade's not going to come in and be the adversary to Dominic. So you now have I'm your mommy comes from Dominic. He used it. He said it. He started it. Yes. It stays with Dominic. If if I had to guess, I'd. I don't think Rhea used it past once, maybe twice, but she doesn't. She doesn't do it. Priest does, of Puerto Rican descent. Yeah. Dom does. If I'm not mistaken, Finn says Rhea. You know what yeah. I mean? Like there's yeah. there is a big thing here, and I get it. Just because you're married to doesn't do that for you. We hear it about all kinds of race relations all the time. There's yeah. <laughs> you don't. And I get it. It's a honestly, if I'm not mistaken, per culture, it's a term of endearment, you yeah. know. But if Dom was a white guy and Charlotte's doing it, it looks like two white people like trying to be of the ethnicity. You know what I mean? So yeah. it just she's trying to be adverse while one upping. But it's not her card to pull. And furthermore, it's also she's supposed to be the good guy here. This is this is similar to if Carrie and Cross were to come across Dom and call him Mijo. Yes, it's a right. term of endearment for someone in that culture with their people, with their family. You know what I mean? Like my mom still calls me that. My grandma calls me that. You know what I mean? Like. I don't think that I would want some random white dude calling me that. You know what right. I mean? Like, if, right. and if they do, they're a bad guy now. You're a dick, right. Right? right? So the fact that all of this was wrapped up in the queen being the good guy here, and all I can see is what you're doing is like literally offensive. Because let's say even if Andrade does show up to have this match against Dom, what are we doing now? Are we going to have? the who's actually more latin who's the real mexican just because dom's lighter skin that doesn't speak with a thick accent and andrade's not well he's or the born real in mexican. the states right yeah or yeah. born in the states then like that becomes like 
terribly offensive, especially because like you pointed out, I am half Mexican and grew up that way and grew up in, in the Southwest with in Arizona. You think I didn't have issues with that growing up? Right. You know what I mean? Like there's a reason right. I don't put it out there because it comes with issues when I do. So I don't. I just say I get it. I get what I look like. I get my name. I get what I sound like. And I know how I'm perceived. It's not up to me to convince other people of who I am and who my family is. It's up to me to be fine with that and respectful to who my my where my culture is and how I grew up, right? I don't need anyone else to identify me as anything. I right. need me to love my family and my past, right? And that's all I need. So for Charlotte to come out here and tell Dom, who we know his history, that you're not Mexican enough, like, fuck you. Right. You know? Right. And fuck you for even putting it on TV. Like, how did this get past someone? That's that's a tough one. And honestly, we talked about this from the second Dom got arrested. Of all the things I criticized Dom for, it's only what is actually fake. Yes. The, if she says, I have a real gangbanger at home or i have a someone with a real prison record at home or i have someone with a a real bad streak at home you know like dom is faking all of that you know and to to question the the maybe the one thing that is true like if she said i have a real mysterio at home because mysterio is a given name to uh, Dom and Ray, because it's not their real last name, but Andrade was the original descendant of the original Ray Mysterio, then like maybe, but that's mm. not what this is. That's not what this is at all. And we don't know that. All yeah. we know is that there is this six foot tall white woman who, if you just started watching wrestling today, you don't know she's married to a uh, a Latino man. You yeah. know, you don't know who he is. You don't even know that he's a wrestler. Yeah. You know, like it it definitely came off so just in, right on par for Charlotte, disingenuous and one-upsmanship as opposed to authentic conversation and it sucked. Yeah. It sucked and it was upsetting and offensive and for all the reasons you wouldn't want it to be. There's a lot of reasons you want to be offensive. I get why MJF tries his hardest to be offensive. You know what I mean? I could understand why she'd want to do this if she was the bad guy here, but we're literally begging the crowd to cheer her so much so that she says, Oh, by the way, my dad's Ric Flair and he's got a birthday. So it lets everybody say happy birthday to Ric Flair, like pandering to the audience on the Ric Flair thing, which again, for someone who consistently says, I don't want to be compared to my father. Like you definitely have done nothing to make that happen. Uh, But it's also fine. Well, no, because the missus the missus even asked me because the during that same promo she goes, so if she wasn't Ric Flair's daughter, what would she be? I said, yeah. oh, well, she would be like Sasha Bailey, where she would get her turn with the title, but it would never really stick, and she wouldn't be as good as them. But she is; she's an incredible athlete. Um, she'd be Carmella, you know, but not as good on the mic. Like she's. And honestly, Carmella's better in the fucking ring too. So, like, she would she she has a presentation to her, but is that presentation only solely based off of her dad? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. To deny the fact that she's a star, I can't do that. To say she's not a good, it's like seeing. Uh, there's a lot of people who hate The Rock 
for his acting ability. But to yeah. say he doesn't draw money and produce at the box office, well, that's a lie. So if yeah. Charlotte can bring you in money and eyeballs and all that shit, great. Go ahead. You know what? She's not good at this thing. That's who she would be without the name. Is she would yeah. be someone who might be able to find a way to draw money, but not be good in the ring ever. Yeah. Or at her job, to be honest, because to your point, the promo and what she did, it was it was bad. Dude, it was bad and it was upsetting and Yeah. I mean it definitely doesn't help a lot of the other stigmas that are already out there <laughs> in the Latin community. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. So yeah, it was upsetting. Um I mean it was it was upsetting enough that I really felt like I didn't want to even mention this promo happened and just ignore her. Yeah. But the more that producer lady was getting upset about it, the more I'm all like I don't think I can just ignore it because a lot of people are defending Charlotte in this. Oh, look at how she outdid Dom. No, no. What she did and was she way also, worse than talk more naturally on the mic. Yeah. You know it also mean? feels like she would be the person to say, oh, well, but Andrade saw it and he said it was okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You know, I have those kind of ethnic friends too. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, like, exactly. it doesn't mean that all of them are okay with that. Yeah. Like it's, that's that's the point that she would always miss because she's just not yeah. relatable and she doesn't she doesn't get it she just doesn't get it she doesn't yeah. get how relatability works yeah exactly yeah that's true i think it's 100 percent true she would absolutely andrade loved it so therefore everyone in that culture would have loved it right well there's a lot of so stuff you, about you though, if she was married to a black dude what's the promo you know what i'm saying exactly exactly if she's married just... to a black person then then what right she did say that, that Andrade has a thicker dick than Dom. Mm. Which was cool because that means that she definitely knows what Dom's dick looks like. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. You know and speaking I mean? of thick dicks, cheers to just in time. Cheers, just in time. The thick dickest of them all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's two time, by 11. Time. It's two yeah. this way, 11 that way. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's like, a, like two stacked tuna cans. You know what I mean? Side by side. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the fact that she's been... And the other thing is this, is all she said was thicker, which means that she knows Dom has an equally long dick. At equal, if not longer. Yeah, equal, if not longer. He might have a longer right. dick, but it's definitely not right. thicker. Right. 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 So that's what we at least know. Because with if you listen to Bruce Pritchard's podcast, a lot of people are constantly trying to find out how big is Batista's dick, which is a very fair question. But at this point... On TV, we're getting a little bit of information here about the Dom dick and its mm. shape. So right. it's really nice when they're able to just kind of fill us in, as it were. Well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> then you would definitely know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny because, to be honest, of all the stereotypes of cultures and communities, when it comes to the Latin community, they have so much swag that dick size really doesn't come around. It doesn't come up much. This is getting fun. <laughs> it's like curdling in there um just tap out man just dump it and make a new drink it's Dude, you don't have to keep going i wanted new it way so bad to be man. good i wanted it so bad to be good i was so excited you were you drinking see me in the store. promo of drinks <laughs> do i like was walking around work. with it like it was a championship belt like in one arm like i was holding it like a baby like i was like you guys don't believe what i just discovered <laughs> 
I was so excited. I showed the can on here and everything because I just knew this was going to be the new drink that I have all the time. I've mixed it with coffee, the super creamer, and monk fruit sweetener. And now it's starting to curdle a little bit. What was that? Was it like a Jameson cold brew or some shit you had a couple years ago? That was sitting the Jameson in the fridge? cold brew was good up until the expiring <laughs> date was accurate. We found out. And then it became like motor oil. <laughs> this is like sour. Is this fucking expired? Is there a thing on here? Can't read this. I know it Put wasn't. Put your glasses in the... on. It wasn't discounted. <laughs> well, I mean, I can read the numbers, but the numbers don't mean anything. It says 2223 MB, 1358, 176 out of 175. That can't be good. <laughs> BO6 USA. It's one more than they meant to make. <laughs> yeah, they made one extra one. They went, fuck it. <laughs> Oh, shit. This is- Justin tuned in at the right time because he does just in time. <laughs> Not using time. Oh, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like, I'm about to ruin the rest of my coffee by dumping it in there and hoping it just settles. And I'm afraid Get I'm gonna up. pull the plug. <laughs> pull the plug. She's like, I'm begging you, don't do this, man. <laughs> You had a family. <laughs> Good God. It's not going to work. Yeah. Oh, shit. Um, but yeah, moving on. I did think the stare down with Rhea was was nice because I think Rhea made her point that she doesn't have to say anything. I did think that Dom coming out there and talking shit on behalf of Rhea was funny. One of my favorite things about Dom right now is a lot of people have given criticisms for a while about him being, quote, bad at promos, right? He just can't talk. Why would you ever give him a mic? He can't talk. And I, I for one, want to know how much of what he's doing and saying and every aspect of his presentation has been his idea or how much has been collaborative. Like, I just, I want to know at some point what he's pitching, what he's tweaking, like, what is he picking up from other people or versus like, what is he being coached on? And oh, trust me. And then, or is he just making it work? You know what I mean? Cause there's, yeah, he's doing a lot right here, you know? And I wonder if part of, he's bad at promos, he's not believable, turns into, well, let's give him something not believable to talk about because then you'll believe he doesn't believe. Like going to prison for two hours and saying, when I was doing hard time, and you go, he doesn't even sound like he believes it. You're like, perfect. Perfect. I think there's, so I'll, I'll relate it to the podcast thing, right? Like I can watch a show, take notes, and go for an hour on mine, but I think I'm at my best on here. When you give me like we do this rubber band thing where we just bounce off each other and we can go and go and go and go and go. That type of fluidity leads to a more believable presentation of a show. There's a chance that they told Dom, "Okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to research as much you can about prison, factor in so many different words that go into it. So you believe what you're saying. Now go develop that character. I don't think he's scripted at all. I think they gave him the ability to create a character because Dom Mysterio, I just listened to him on uh, uh, Cheap Heat and he had a terrible time staying in character. For the first 20 minutes, he stayed in character. And then the next like 30 minutes, he just 
he like let it all out. Like he loves what he does. He loves being a part. He loves being a Mysterio. He's appreciative of everything he went through. He enjoys going through the locker room and, and how the rules work backstage and all that shit. He's, he is there to be a wrestler and he wants to perform. I don't think he has that creative bug in him, but when he's given the ability to break something down, dissect it and make it his own, that's what we're seeing. So if they say, Hey Dom, we're going to have you, be the jailhouse character. Do as much as you can to make it your own. Boom. This is what he's doing. So every time he says something, he knows nobody can respond because it's this own world that he's making up in his mind. But could you imagine him saying these same things to a Seth Rollins had Seth Rollins actually gone to jail? Well, Seth Rollins would break him apart because he knows everything about what Dom is saying. But since nobody knows what he's saying, you can't break it apart. So Dom being a good guy isn't a good promo because Dom's like, well, yeah, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, this is fucking awesome. Yeah, this is really cool. Okay, I'm here. Let's go. Like, yeah. if there's no if there's no show to watch, I don't turn on the microphone because I'd have nothing to say. You got to give me something to talk about. And I think that's what Dom is doing. I think they give him something to talk about. Here's the thing you talk about. So yeah. I did. Yeah. I mean, that's what made it so fun when dom was talking shit to the usos because we know not that the usos have been to like federal prison or anything but we know they've been arrested a couple of times because they've yeah. had their struggles and it's usually dui you know it's not usually terrible abuse and fights and crazy shit um and even then even if you take the story of how dom got arrested it's not right. really that he didn't do it right <laughs> he went to his dad's house talk shit Rhea slapped his mom and he got arrested like he literally didn't do anything right. in the segment. <laughs> so it's not even it was hard by the crimes that he had to commit just made it so funny yeah i'm yeah it was outstanding having vodka and sprite now i ruined my coffee i poured the whole thing in there into my coffee just thinking it would be so diluted by coffee that it would be fine i told you to give up now you ruined coffee i'm gonna have to after this i'm gonna have to like go to starbucks or something <laughs> I only said Starbucks because I have a gift card for Starbucks and so I wouldn't have to pay for it. There you go. I'm a nitro cold brew guy. Yeah. Cheers. I have a couple of those. Oh, oh these super are great. Coffees. Yeah. Super coffees are great. I even poured super coffee in that son of a bitch. Fucking nothing, dude. Yeah. I like the blueberry oh. muffin one. Oh, dude, the pumpkin pie one is great, and the cinnamon yeah, roll one's crazy. Yeah. But the pump, the makes the blueberry muffin one so good is it tastes like bread. Yes, and that's yes. Ridiculous. They have the muffin part in there. It's the not muffin just blueberry, is... blueberry muffin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can taste muffin. <laughs> yeah, the idea that I can drink muffin flavor. Fuck yeah, yeah. it has like even that little burnt taste as if it like came out the muffin pan, not with yeah. the cupcake thing on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's fucking yeah. incredible. I love it. It's insane. <laughs> Like, it's insane how they do that stuff. Uh, so, like, growing up in New York, this is a thing you wouldn't understand. Like, growing up in New York, there's these typical things that you get. Like, when you move there, when, like, you're older, you don't really do that. But growing up, like, a typical Sunday <laughs> breakfast for me is either a buttered roll or a blueberry muffin. So, blueberry muffin flavored creamer is fucking amazing. I used to get the poppy seed brand. Or, for me, more often than not, it was the, um, God, how did you call it? Egg. What was it how did you call the egg sandwich there? Because it wasn't just like you had to call it a certain thing there in the bodega in my neighborhood. I'm asking you, producer lady. 
What were the egg sandwiches in New York? Was it egg and cheese on a roll? Is that how you just say it? No, you say sausage, egg, and cheese, salt, pepper, ketchup. No, you I didn't to, get all that or bacon, shit. Bacon, egg, and cheese, it. salt, pepper, ketchup. You have to. No, have it was to. like bacon, egg, and cheese roll or some shit. Because it was just the one thing. That, dude, you know what I was pissed to find out about it? the last year I was there? I knew I was moving. And that's when somebody who I'd been hanging out with in the middle of the night was like, we got to get a chopped cheese. And I was like, what uh, are you talking about? The fact that I didn't discover the chopped cheese until the last year I was there, I was fucking pissed, dude. Mm -hmm. You don't know how much I love mm -hmm. cheeseburgers to begin with. Mm -hmm. But once I had that chopped cheese, I was like, well, this is my diet for the next six months. <laughs> <laughs> I got to catch up. Well, it's funny because like, once I moved out of New York, people started calling it ground beef. But it was always called chopped meat up there. Oh, so yeah. everywhere else is called ground beef. Or ground turkey, whatever. It's like, no, it's chopped meat. Like, we got to get chopped meat. Because that's what yeah. you make the chopped cheese from. It's chopped meat. Yeah. 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 And the chopped cheese is basically a fucking cheeseburger and a hoagie. I was like, fuck mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. 12 mm -hmm. inches of cheeseburger. <laughs> that's Batista. Yeah. That's the difference between Dom and Andrade. <laughs> Andrade is a hamburger. Because it's just <laughs> thick and short. But Dom's the chopped cheese. <laughs> fucking hoagie style all right well i just want to throw that out there about dom and uh just all the respect i have for dom uh moving along though uh we do have natalia versus Shayna baszler yeah i barely remember this match oh yeah 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 because yeah, tegan came out here's my issue with this one i didn't have a problem with the match in and of itself natalia's great i think Shayna's great but there's so much happening around them that it's not about them. The idea that last week Natalia was teaming with Shotzi and this week her valet is Tegan because Natalia is talking to Adam Pierce in the back and no one's around Adam Pierce and Natalia except for Tegan to listen in and say, well, I got your back. What about the last seven fucking tag team partners Natalia's had? No one's got her back. Like, does she cycle through tag team partners kayfabe-wise because she keeps pissing them all the fuck off and they don't want anything to do with her? You know what I mean? Because, like, realistically, we know in real life that's just not the case. She's not pissing right. off everyone in the back. But why is she going through new tag partners so much that her last week's tag partner doesn't have her back this week, but that... That tag team partner, Shotzi's last tag partner, being Tegan, which was never explained why they broke up, Ever. suddenly has her back, and now now only one can have it at a time. Fuck, what is happening? That's the story. Fuck all y'all. <laughs> Just fuck everyone. Yeah. Here's the other deal. I think that what we may be building up to is a tornado tag match at Mania, except... The tornado tag match stipulation is strictly about Natty's tag partners. All dozen of her f previous tag partners are on the outside, rolling in and out, and whoever's in the ring at the end of the match is her new tag team champion partner. Yeah, it makes sense. She's had more tag partners week to week than anybody. And the thing is that she makes it work, and the matches are always good, but it's also like, what the fuck are we doing? 
So this is the this is the downside natty conversation that I usually have. Like if she's supposed to be the standard bear, the mama bear, all that stuff, why aren't these women so much better after this time with her? And I'm not saying that they're not, but there's no elevation. There's no legit elevation following that. It's not like Shotzi left her to go be the next women's champion. You know what I mean? Yes. No, they're never springboarded into a higher position, right. but the right. hope and belief is that they'll be able to get there on be their own. Wrestling. Yeah. and be better in the ring. The, yeah. the, it's not like, hey, you beat Natty, and now you're springboarding into the main event. It's, hey, you've worked with Natty, so you should pretty much have all the fundamentals down and be able to work a crowd, right? Like, That's all they, I think they want from it, and I think she tries to give them even more than that, if I'm honest. But, yeah, Tegan now? And I was like, what yeah. the fuck is this for? And then, so the match is Natalia versus Shayna Baszler. That's the match. Natalia versus Shayna Baszler. So what happens for Shayna when she comes out? Ronda Rousey's music plays. Right. They're playing the music of your valet, as it were. And Shayna comes out to Ronda's music. It's like, what the fuck is happening? That's This is what made the match seem so less than, is that the story was Tegan's here with Natalia now, because fuck Shotzi for some reason. And guess what? Ronda Rousey's here for Shayna's match. Like... You right. couldn't have made Natalia and Shayna look less like like a a lesser than point for their own match, and they had a fine match. But as much as we'll talk about it later, the the amount of women's matches that have become about what's happening on the outside of the ring versus inside, this is one where they told you up front, don't pay attention to the inside. You know what I mean? And I was like, why? Right. Why are you doing this? It was odd because I even I think I reached out to you and was like. Now Natty and Tegan, but you know Shotzi and Knox never happened. Like, let's let's do something here. Make something count. Make something mean something. And even Ronda tweeted, she's like, "So now the tag division is me and Shayna versus Natty and whoever she feels like wrestling with." Like, you yeah. know, fair point. You know, round one to Ronda. You know, like there there has to be some type of consistency here. Um, I don't know. In the overall, I do think the Ronda Shayna thing is going to work. But after yeah. what we saw on Raw, I don't know what happens next. And honestly, I don't know where we go for the entire women's division. And this is, again, again, I'm, I fucking hate the IWC because it was Raw sucks, SmackDown sucks, can't wait till Triple H is back in charge. Now with Triple H in charge, you kind of see how there's only so much they can really do to tell stories week by week. Mm-hmm. When he first got the book or whatever you want to say in wrestling terms, the women's division was displayed all over the place. There's numerous yeah. hours of me and you talking about how much the women's division not only is on TV, but looks kind of cohesive. Now it's taking a massive step back. There's no through lines on how things are going to look on either show. Yeah. On either yeah. show. So I have no clue what to call it except for, you know, inconsistent and the match was okay, but because the story is so inconsistent, it takes out the investment. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fucking bummer. Uh, and sp- speaking of inconsistent and incohesive, the Firefly Funhouse returned. Dude, I love Bray. I got Bray little belt over here. We've talked so highly about a lot of the Bray stuff and how cool it is and interesting it is. This is one where producer lady was actually in the kitchen getting some stuff ready. And the Firefly Funhouse came up. And instead of me saying, oh, you better get in here and watch this. As I started to watch it, 
she came in and she goes, oh, did I miss the Firefly Funhouse? And I, I just kind of went, not really. Like, yeah, this was, for one, so long. <laughs> like, you could have done all of that in 30 seconds and given Shayna and Natty another three minutes to flesh out a match. I... It was, it was also in such a way where it wasn't intriguing enough to try and dig in and look for clues. So much of what he's done has been hinged on the fact that people are going to dig into what he's saying, what he's doing, every frame, and find out the clues. This was so disjointed and all over the place that it just really came down. Because I asked a few people, was there anything in there? And everyone just said, I don't know, I wasn't bothering. It's gotten to the point where this was so all over the place, people just went, all right, well, I guess we'll see what they're doing but but fuck dude there was just nothing in this that was there was nothing redeemable about this firefly funhouse the can you keep a secret meant nothing the only part of it that meant anything at all was howdy saying i am everyone that's the only thing worth noting as far as all like oh did we get any information in this well maybe uncle howdy is a puppet master of all, of all. I mean, the the only but, problem I have with that is that we saw all, we saw everything in real life. We we no, saw sure. everything. We saw everything actualized with Howdy there. So it's not as if he, in a cartoon, you know, or even like Doctor Strange did, where he, you know, materializes as other entities to come back into one. Like that doesn't happen in real life. So I'm sorry. As much as I can suspend my dis- disbelief, maybe if. The pitch black was done in the Firefly Funhouse, and we saw all the characters at once. But we're talking in the arena at the same time. We saw all entities. So Howdy isn't everyone. I'm a theoretical puppet master. I'm everyone. I don't. Dis- what I'm saying, I don't disagree. I don't disagree with that. But also, like, then you're talking some Joe Gacy shit, not Bray Wyatt shit. And when you're you're not. Because the, the whole the whole Bray Wyatt beforehand as the fiend, it was here. It was a yeah. mentality. It was a vision. It was a mindset. Like I used to even say, like, um, the funhouse was a, a theoretical place. That's why um or was a it was a, a a manufacturing of the mind. That's why Seth Rollins could burn it down, it could come back the next week because it's up here. Postman Pierce was the entity of Adam Pierce in it, but Adam Pierce doesn't remember being postman Pierce. You know what I mean? So yeah. like because it was a place of the mind and not in the physical form, it's not like you could take the mask off the fiend and see Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt was Freddy stepping into Jason's world kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? So like yeah. this here, because Howdy says that in the funhouse, it doesn't ring true to me because we saw everyone in real life. You're not everyone. You're not the puppet master. If anything, you're the ringleader. I know it's very close and I know I might be getting too technical on this, but if the rabbit decides to walk away during the pitch black match, it can because it's not drawn by Uncle Howdy anymore because it can choose to walk away. You know Did what I mean? You that ever attachment read the Puppet isn't Master there. comics or anything? No, I'm not a nerd. Yeah. So the Puppet Master in in like the more horror and comic book aspect is all controlling of them like through their minds. 
Like, okay. you couldn't just walk away because he's literally controlling them. Not in a Joe Gacy way where he's charmed them into doing his bidding. This is more of a, I have literal control over you. Or that show, uh, Heroes, there's a character um, that they refer to as the puppet master because he can just get in their mind and control them. And now they're they're not at their own whims anymore, right? So I think that in my mind, that's where I took it was that that he's the puppet master. He's controlling everyone, including Bray to do as he wants them to do and however that manifests itself out the the power of the fiend energy felt so strong that it the fiend energy is what it never it never materialized but the fact that we're seeing the material and the energy at the same time because the fiend the fiend character that bray white fiend form never possessed alexa Alexa actually had more power over the character, but she had less power over the energy. And because Howdy is doing both, I don't know. It's just, look, we've said it. You said it. We talk so highly of Bray all the time. This, it's missing all over the place. I'll just put it that way. It's missing. And this didn't even make the connection to Bobby Lashley that I thought it was going to. I was like, oh, here's where he's going to give a reason on why, right? Fast forward to Raw, because why not? Bobby Lashley has his little match. He steps on the outside, and now Bray Wyatt's doing the muscle man dance thing again, but to pictures of Bobby. It literally comes off as, I don't like you because you have muscles. I even asked one of my group chats, I was like, so the entire rivalry is based around the idea that Bobby has muscles and Bray's out of shape. And they're all like, uh, no, I think he was mocking Bobby. And I was like, yeah, for having muscles and being out of shape, like not... This wasn't. This isn't a deeper thing. This isn't. I have a reason right. to be have a rivalry against you. This isn't the reason I wanted anyone who beat Brock or Bobby is because you guys are both physically fit. Is the deepest we can take that, because he said right. whoever wins against Brock or Bobby, I want next. Why? And if your first answer to that is because the Muscle Man dance, they they work out. Then this is fucking shallow. Yeah. Yeah. And for Bray to do things so deeply for so long, it makes no sense. Right. That's exactly what I was just going to say. Like, for him to be able to put depth under anything and to be so surface level here, like, I mean, we, we've all heard Bray talk in real life and we hear how his brain works. Um, is he, does this seem like he's going so far out in the creative sphere that he doesn't think that we know, but he's actually not putting it out in our face? You know what I mean? Like, oh, well, you guys just don't quite see it. Well, you actually didn't give us enough to see anything. Because that's what it feels Sometimes like. Sometimes the point. Sometimes the point is that you're not supposed to see it until you do, right? The zoom in, the zoom out. Like, but I don't, I don't that's not the impression I'm getting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Same. Same. Because there's always been something to, because even Bray said it when he came back. He's like, the fact that everyone was able, like, there were so many fans that were able to piece together the breadcrumbs to put together the picture of what he was painting while he was gone, like yeah. meant so much to him. Well, at this point, Bray, like you're not giving us the breadcrumbs. And if you yeah. are, they're so small with such a tight window to go that it's not happening. Yeah, It's not happening. I gave him credit. There's still people that tear apart the pitch black match. I give him credit for making chicken, chicken salad out of chicken shit, as they say in the biz, right? Like I feel yeah. like they pulled off that story to the match so well. And the problem is L.A. Knight did a better job of disconnecting from the absurdity and Bray kind of seems to still be kind of befuddled into what's going on. Yeah. 
The other thing that I took as, as a note as to uh, uh, Howdy saying I am everyone is it did feel that he's the the new Sister Abigail in a lot of senses, the the entity, but actually a physical entity. Because I do believe that Sister Abigail was supposed to become a physical entity at some point. Yeah. And they just hadn't fleshed that out. So this feels like that they, okay, instead of Sister Abigail, we'll have Uncle Howdy. Which when you think about it, Sister Abigail, Uncle Howdy, like, pretty fucking familiar, as they say. Brother Bo. Yeah, brother Bo. Uh, so yeah, yeah. that funhouse was a total Jack. miss. This is weird to come out of the the rivalry with La Knight, which kind of didn't make a ton of sense, but at least seemed to be building two different people in directions. To now, we've got Static Bray with Static La on two separate occasions. So it's just fuck. I just don't fucking get it, man. And it's not. I mean. Maybe it is way over my head, but I don't get it as in like, I don't see the point. I don't see there being any depth at all. Like, and the other thing is too, is if you're going to talk shit on Bobby and say he's the chosen one because he's muscly, like you're a Vince guy concept. Bobby more than most has struggled regardless of his physical shape. He's been given a shitload of chances for sure, but he's not the ultimate warrior. Right. Where he was shot to the top within a year because of his physical shape more than anything. And that's been, you know, documented and talked about a thousand times. We're talking about Bobby Lashley, who struggled and struggled and left and legitimized himself and came back and struggled and struggled and struggled and finally got himself to a place where he's credible and is also still kind of struggling here and there. Like he's even the last his first, one you want to say. Even know? his first title run, um, which was an awesome moment, was still not poetic you know he had to beat the miz in a lumberjack match to like the miz right the he's a a white guy half the size of this massive black dude like you know like it's the the even the miz knew that the contest wasn't a good idea like that's which was the point of the story but at least for bobby and that character that first title run it didn't hit the second one was a little bit better but um McIntyre being on the other side really didn't lend the credibility to the title. So it was it was tough. It was tough to to really you know get on the side and and more the I mean look Bobby's been doing incredible stuff since uh since the hurt business. Yeah. So, you know, and I'll love him forever. He signed my son's title. Like, yeah. you know, awesome shit, but and every time Bobby's on TV, dad, he signed my title. He signed my title. And then last <laughs> Last night we were watching Raw, and he goes, Dad, you know who that is? And he's pointing to Aja Smith. I was like, yeah, she saw yeah. that. <laughs> so we're forever grateful for, for the two of them. But anyway, um, it's Bobby hasn't been treated with kid gloves like many superstars have, um, yeah. and he hasn't really been given the opportunity to uh, be the center point the way he should be. Because uh, even the Leo Leo Rush stuff didn't pay off the way it should have, and the Hurt business, as soon they were right fucking there, and then they broke them up before it became really truly powerful. So, yeah. yep, yeah, absolutely. He's like more cursed by it than anything. So that's what makes it fall even more flat to me that this is the direction they've they've decided to go. Uh, Mysterio and Cross was really about Dominic and Ray, and they had the whole aftermath in the after the match. Uh, or Dom getting in his face, do it, do it, hit me. Ray doesn't want to do it, and you're just like, you know, kick that kid in the dick, you know. 
I mean, obviously we're building towards something with the two of them, and I liked it. I it seemed a little long. Like, I mean, I yeah. get a conflicted Ray, but how many times is he going to ball up his fist and say no in one segment? You know what I mean? So it's yeah. just a little long, but but all right, we're doing something. We're getting back to it. Um, anything you want to throw in on that? I think we talked about Domino. Yeah, no, it's about the same. I mean, again, it's it's similar to Ray's promos when he's like, you know, Kayla. It's like get get to the point, Ray. Okay, we understand you're conflicted. You're heavily emotional, but like you got to do something. Yeah. Either tell us how upset you are, or show us how upset you are. And he doesn't do either one in an efficient time. Just even if he didn't punch him, but just pushed Dom back and then looked like he was upset with himself for that. You know what I mean? Like if he could have or talk to him, him. talk to him like a dad and be like, "Listen, you little shit. You know, like or whatever. Like, listen, guy." I brought you in this world. I can take you out. Stop pushing me and then leave. But what he does is he completely goes, oh, well, my son's a grown man and I can't take what he's earned by being an adult now and let me walk away because I can't be contentious to my child. So your mom, his mom was a disciplinarian the entire life. You guys weren't Mm -hmm. a team whatsoever. Like what what fatherly thing do you give him in terms Mm -hmm. of discipline? Because you can't be all sunshine all the time. You have to you have to bring the cloudy day, and he never does that. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Uh, that's probably the the real disconnect. Uh, and then the show SmackDown does end with a Jimmy Uso promo, which I thought Jimmy did an awesome job. Man, he's so he came off so real in this. Uh, but the Usos always do, man. Uh, is there is there mm-hmm. a legit shot at Jimmy getting his J moment now? Is that what you think might be happening here? I don't. You don't you don't think he'll get the same kind of treatment where he can kind of stand alone in efforts? Because he had to do that on he had to do it on Monday as well, and he's been doing it since Jay kind of ostracized himself from the bloodline. You know, he's kind of getting that moment to to be on the mic and cut to Monday. He fucking leads a match to save everyone from looking like shit. That's true. I don't think that Jimmy. I don't think we're going to get to a main event Jimmy Uso like we did the main event Jay Uso. But I do think that they could be just trying to highlight for a little bit, like don't discount these guys singularly, you know? I'm cool with that too. <laughs> um, yeah. Sammy came out and they did a great promo back and forth. I loved Jimmy just getting pissed at him for you blaming me. Like you put me in that position. Like I had to stand with my blood kind of a deal. My biggest issue with this whole thing, because I thought Sammy was awesome. I thought Jimmy was awesome. It's been fucking two months, dude. Jimmy can't keep showing up to do nothing. He needs to do anything at this point. Like, I get you're conflicted, but you're not too conflicted to show up. You know what I mean? But you Jimmy are too or conflicted Jay? to do. Jay. Okay. You said Jimmy. No, no, Jay. Jay doesn't know what he wants to do here and hasn't known since the rumble. And he keeps showing up to show everybody that he doesn't know what he's here for, but he keeps showing up. And I would rather he'd been off TV this entire time and saying, damn, he's so conflicted. He doesn't know what to do. He's not coming in, but for him to show up every week for these segments where he can stand there and stare at everybody and do nothing. It's getting tiring. It's tiring. And it doesn't. And at this point, like I said, I'd rather he attack everyone 
than stand there and and do nothing to to anyone. You know what I mean? Like kick Sammy and walk away from Jimmy. You know what I mean? Like do something that makes you go, fuck. He's really going through it. But he just goes there and stares at everyone. Yeah. At this point, it's been too long for you to just be staring at everybody. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, Jay and Jay's so good. I think that's the other part, too. Like Jay has the ability to add to the story. um, And we're not getting that. And it's also what's missing pieces to this story. Because like I talked about earlier, it's not like Sammy and KO are saying, "Okay, we're coming after the Usos. It's as if they're waiting for something to unify Sammy and KO to go against the Usos. But what could that actually be? What could get in the middle? Would it be Sammy and KO beating down Jimmy because Jimmy super kicked Sammy? But that's not what was just spoken. Sammy goes, remember my dog, all that stuff. Like they went through the history of what Sammy was okay to be in the bloodline. But to your point, that's when you said Jimmy, it threw me off a bit because Jimmy really has been the most rational one through this whole thing. Say, look, this is the bloodline. This was the code. Sammy, you broke the code. It's it, it wasn't about beating up Sammy on site all the time. It was beating up Sammy in that moment because you fucked up. Yes. Now you paid that due. But if you're going to step to me again, you are doing the same thing you did at Rumble. You are stepping the bloodline. Fucking yeah. stop. My yeah. dog is still good, but fucking stop. So Jay not choosing a side, it's either Jay against the world or Jay back in the bloodline. Because Jimmy, by definition, has been saying this is code. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, exactly, yeah, yeah. It's not that you fucked up; that it's on site. It's you did this, and that this is what happens to that. You know, like, yeah. And then the fact that you're not letting up, it's like, okay, well, it's gonna keep coming. Like, and even the the look of on Jimmy's face was all like. It even looked like he was mad. I'm like, you think I wanted to do that? You know what I mean? It was just like he was so pissed at Sammy because he didn't get it. I didn't want to. I had to. He goes, I yes. did what I had to yes. do. Not because it wasn't an, a difficult choice, but because family is the easy choice. It's the only choice. And here's the thing. Jimmy could have easily said back to Sammy, he makes us prove that. Look at you right now. You had nothing. Now you have million dollars in your pocket. You had a main event in your hometown. Look at everything that's brought to us by following the rules of the bloodline. Everything that's brought to everyone by following the rules of the bloodline. I'll prove it every day of my life to make sure that we stay on top. We. Yeah. So, yeah, it's Romans. Roman, he said it. I'm the head of the table. I'm the tribal chief. But what does the tribe do under the chief? They make sure that shit stays where it's supposed to. So, Sammy breaking those rules, that's a Sammy choice. So, that's why... The Sammy babyface version of this doesn't make sense to me. When even it's funny because they did a great job with the promo packages showing Sammy infiltrating the bloodline and exiting, but he does it in a way where they show him using the bloodline to regain success. Yes, you know, they did a great job of that, but he's the good guy because he turned on the bad guy. But what he actually did was he used the top guy in the company to gain to regain his famous success, to regain yeah. his spot on a card, like to get higher up. Like he really is the bad guy in all of this. And Jimmy was sense, trying to let us know that. Yeah. And, but I think they both have such great mentalities as to why that it is right. Sammy's like, I'm totally great. Roman. 
because because Roman's manipulating you and he's evil, right? And Jimmy is going back to the old school original. What does head of the table mean? What does tribal chief mean? I have these titles not because I want to be on top, but because I have to feed my family. These titles right. feed my tribe. Right. Like th- without these titles, I don't make the money I need to make. Because remember those original promos was all that. Yeah. Remember yeah. it was like, you know, I bought you your house. We you don't know, eat. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we don't eat. Yeah. And Jimmy went back to that. No, we don't turn on Roman because we all got to eat. You right. need to see Afa and Sika how they're living right now because of, right. because of Roman, not right. because of you know what I mean. So like he went back to that old school mentality of like, no no no, the bloodline is about the bloodline. It's and not I'll, about I'll criticize Sammy just a tiny bit. Had he been more articulate in saying that the bloodline was a great idea until I realized the core of who Roman is. He didn't quite say it that way, but that was the point of his of his promo. So if you break it down a bit, it was like, <clears throat> excuse me, he was saying, okay, family doesn't make you prove yourself over and over again. Family doesn't continue to give you tests. But that's to our point before about ethnicities and, and lifestyles. Like maybe that's Sammy's perspective of family, but as the chief, as the leader of the tribe, you have to prove your worth. You have to prove your positioning at the at the table itself. Do you deserve to be, as Jay was, the right hand to the tribal chief? Do you deserve mm-hmm. to be there? Who sits at the right hand of the tribal chief? You know, why is Paul Heyman so important? And he's not blood. You know, that wise mm-hmm. man character is so important to Roman's success. Why? Why? Yeah. And where did Sammy feel like fitting in? He didn't want to. He no longer wanted to follow how that this tribe operated. Well, this tribe goes on without you, brother. That's what Jimmy should have said. Like, you can say all that, but this is what our chief does. Yeah, I mean, and Jimmy could have even said it even more simple of just, uh, um, yeah, he's like, family doesn't treat you, you know, doesn't doesn't test you. They don't they don't make you prove yourself. And then Jimmy could have snapped back. Family takes care of each other. Right. You know what I mean? And that's what Roman does. Roman takes care of us. He puts food on our table. Yeah. He buys my kid braces. You know what I mean? Like he does these things because we're family. And if I, if all I got to do to stay at the table is make sure weasels like you don't come in and disrupt that, then that's what I do to take care of my family, take care of my kids. Cause that's what Roman's doing. He's got our back. And Sammy could be like, but he's doing it the wrong way. I don't like the way he's doing it. And then it becomes a Roman's manipulative and doing it this way that I don't agree with versus I don't care how he's got to do it because we're better off that he's doing it. And right. so you have two realistic baby face mentalities that have to collide, you know, like at, at some point. Yeah. It's so well done. I'm a little over the hoodie aspect. Like, I think it's funny, <laughs> it, but is it though? Like, what are they doing? They're not ostracized from WWE. Like if anything, like, no, no one fucks with the bloodline and the bloodline actually doesn't hold any show hostage. They run both when they show up, but if they decide not to show up. Like even when they do show up, you don't have to hide from them. You know, like you it just before, doesn't... remember the bloodline showed up with Sammy and they were beating the shit out of everyone starting with Mustafa Ali for no reason. <laughs> remember that? <laughs> <laughs> I think that the idea of the hoodies with KO and Sammy is they just don't want to be seen until they're seen, right? Like, let me blend in and hide. I don't want the bloodline to know I'm here. I don't want Adam Pierce to know I'm here. I don't want anyone who's trying to get favor with the bloodline to tell the bloodline that I'm here because I would have done that when I was 
right early on right sammy was always had their back oh you should just know this guy's here you should know this guy's doing that right remember how many times sammy went to roman and be like hey you don't need to worry about it i'm gonna take care of it shinsuke said this thing i'm gonna take care of him you don't worry about it he doesn't want the next sammy to see sammy and say hey roman i don't want to step on anybody i'll take care of sammy i just saw him he was just walking around back here you know what i mean like that's how i interpret the the purpose of the hoodies uh and then Justin does say, Jay being conflicted is really just going nowhere. He should have made a decision elimination chamber. I wouldn't say it's going nowhere, but it's taking its fucking time. And I do agree that even if he didn't make his decision but did anything at all at elimination chamber and didn't disappear for 15 minutes, that would have been better than where we're at right now. I to Justin's point, it hasn't progressed. Yes. I don't I don't see I don't see another layer. So not go, like it may be still going the same direction it was at Royal Rumble, but we don't know what that re- that yes. direction is because it hasn't taken another step. True, yes, it's static. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh let's see. Let's run into Raw a little bit cuz there's still we've covered a bunch. And there's not going to be I think a ton to I mean fuck Raw was bad, dude. SmackDown was not that good. Here's the other thing I've noticed. And I'll tell Lay you when the me. moment happens to the moment uh, it stops. Watch Raw every week. At 7.30, Triple H punches out and goes to lunch. Comes back <laughs> at 8.30. There's an what time hour. zone is this? Well, Raw I mean, starts I, at I, 8 o'clock for me. <laughs> eight for you? Okay, so it starts at 6 for me. So at 9.30, he, he comes back at 10.30. The main event <laughs> is taken care of, and the first hour and a half is solid. And then there's this hour long section of, I don't give a fuck, do whatever you guys want. Because there's just unwatchable hour every week from 7.30 to 8.30. Every week. And it's on the dot, dude. You know who showed up on screen at exactly 8.30 my time? Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman. You know who showed up at exactly 7.30? Let me look. It wasn't that. Cody. It was. I believe it was Candace. Mm. Yeah. Bro, Candace getting the fucking Johnny treatment right now is infuriating me. Dude, let me say this about <clears throat> Piper Niven. Because this was the funniest shit to me. The amount of people who go, she just needs to drop Dewdrop. That's the number one priority. Get Dewdrop off and bring Piper back. I don't think. Oh, Blue Boy in the chat says, starts out hot and turns into a wet fart. You say that. People talk so negatively about wet farts, but I'm going to be honest with you. A solid wet fart will make my day. I've had a ton Wait of a second. success with a wet farts. Wait a second. A solid wet fart? Mm. <laughs> a solid yeah. wet fart? Not a good one. A yeah, wet fart? More... Might help. <laughs> Well, now we're talking a solid wet one. We're talking about changing the underwear. <laughs> yeah, good point. Good point. Uh, yeah, a lot of people talking. Someone, someone also this week told me they're like, "Oh, it went down like a wet fart in church," and I was like, "All right, you've clearly never heard a wet fart in church because that makes church exciting." Yeah, for me, that changes the whole dynamic of church. I'm talking about church all week now. <laughs> Oh man, dude! The I amount said of people who said horrible. number one priority, Dewdrop's got to go. Piper's back. Yeah, I don't I think it's here. hard to argue that Dewdrop 
had more time on TV, had more wins, had more crowd sympathy, had more crowd reaction, and had a more bigger connection. baby face connection than Piper Niven has. Piper yep. Niven is just dewdrop with a scowl. Yep. Except it's not dewdrop with a scowl. It's just Piper. Yeah. Just Piper with a scowl. You got some yep. face paint and you're losing and no one cares. People cared more when she was dewdrop. That's not to say she's not capable or fantastic because I have almost nothing negative to say about Piper Niven at all in her presentation and what she's doing. But when you go TV time versus connection, Dewdrop had a connection that Piper does not. You know we, what I mean? Yep. We when this is this is how me and you talk wrestling basically all the time. Yes, we have our favorites, but we're also honest. If we're going to talk shit on Johnny getting no crowd response, we have to say the same thing about some of our favorites, like a Piper who is getting zero crowd response. There is zero crowd response. When she was do drop coming out with the fingernails, doing the do drop, right? She would yeah. do that to the little girls in the front and she was having some things and the way the music was cheery and upbeat and she would pop up and down coming down the aisle and she would have this crowd interaction, this engagement. Where, yes, the name is fucking god-awful, but I told everyone back then, pay attention to what's on TV and cheer for who you enjoy. And if Piper Niven is someone you enjoy, then appreciate her as Dewdrop. Because I said this after the Royal Rumble happened. I came on and I listed it performer to performer. Piper Niven comes up on the Chiron. All across the fucking Jumbotrons, everything along the sides, the bottom of the boards, all this shit. Piper Niven. You could have heard a wet fart at the Royal Rumble. Yeah. Zero crowd reaction for Piper Niven. Had it been it dude drop with the crinkles and all that stuff, maybe you get the little girls around the around the front going, oh my God, dude drops back. But you have Piper dude drop with a scowl, not interacting with the fans. You're getting zero crowd reaction. Zero. And Piper is a fucking phenomenal athlete. She's phenomenal on a ton of stuff. You know what's funny, too, when I think about Dewdrop the character? She said it in one of the little uh, media scrums that I was watching. It was all Vince, obviously, at the time. But Vince kept telling her, dance. Go dance when you're out there. And she goes, Vince, I don't know how to dance. And he said, that's bullshit. I see you shaking your ass around the hallways all goddamn day. And she went, oh, yeah. <laughs> because she did so that's what she started doing when she came out the stupid goofy dances because vince saw that and said there's something there i right. like that i like her there's charisma and she hasn't even said a word i just want more of her around that's infectious go do that out there and as soon as vince is gone they're like remember all that silly shit let's get rid of it and make you a serious wrestler who's angry right and not to say vince is right about everything all the time the connection's gone now. Yes. Now it's not infectious. Dude, Austin, Steve Austin says this shit. I've heard him tell the story a dozen times. And he <laughs> he always goes, I don't want to say who it is. And then he always says who it is. It's like, I'm standing in Gorilla and I'm watching this performer go out. It's the middle of the attitude air. Crowd's hot. All this shit. He goes out. He's doing his thing. And then the crowd's going fucking bananas. And then I go to Vince. Hey, man, you hear that crowd reaction? And Vince goes, yeah, I just hope he can get over it. And they're talking about Steve Blackman because his oh. entrance, he would do the whole thing. The crowd goes absolutely bananas for the entire martial arts aspect, all this shit. And Steve Blackman was amazing. He had a phenomenal look to him. His, his body size, his athleticism was totally different than anyone else. The thing is, bell to bell, zero, zero 
crowd interaction with his movements. He was just an absolutely athletic freak performer. And because he couldn't get over with the crowd during the match, he never shot up the card. That's what's happening with Piper right now. The engagement's not starting in the beginning that we're not getting that interaction in the ring that's going to get her to the next level. Put her against Shayna Baszler for 15 minutes and tell me by the end of it, you're not going to get two exhausted performers with both of them, honestly, looking the best they ever have. But we're not getting that. Yeah, We're seeing her job out in this way that, like, where's Dewdrop? You know, like, we need some charisma. We need something. Yeah. Because it's just not happening. And then on top of that, for her to take this loss to Candice, look, the schoolboy roll-up thing is a move we've seen time and time again. Do you believe for one second that Candice LeRae, with one arm, could reach up and knock over Piper Niven? No. No. It looked so stupid. I wished more than anything that Candace would have just jumped off the ropes and done some sort. What's that? Um, what's that step up? It was a step up in Seguri where you step on someone's knee and kick him in the head. Mm-hmm. Yep. What if she did that kind of backwards, sort of a step right. up in Seguri off of Piper's back and kicked her in the back of the head and she just falls back like, fuck, what was right. that? Or that kick her in the knee and then do a jumping in Seguri. Like, yes, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Bring yeah. her down. Piper's big. Yeah. Powerful. And she knows how to sell. And she can sell like a motherfucker. Yes. Take you advantage know, of that. But like the, the roll biggest, up was not stupid. that we have to compare women to men all the time, but the biggest comp and compliment that we can give to Piper, she's Gunther. She is. She is Gunther. She is. She is an incredible athlete for her size. She's a phenomenal, phenomenal wrestler. And would, she knows how to sell. I would just put the asterisk for her size, I would take out. She's an incredible athlete, period. Her size I, makes no, it all that disagree. more all that much more impressive. She's more you impressive say, because of her size. I say that because She's it's still, in it's in a drastic comparison to the division. Yeah. Right? When Gunther looks the size he does, like Braun Strowman being the athlete for his size means he can have great matches with Ricochet. That's what I mean. So she can have great matches with someone her size and smaller. You know what I mean? That's that's how I meant it. I mean, so like she she can have a great match with Candice LeRae on some non bullshit, but this felt like bullshit. Yes, but I also think there's like a difference with like like Sam Stackhouse is a great athlete for his size because someone of 450 pounds doing a moonsault is a bit wild to see. At the same time, when you watch like a Bam Bam Bigelow or a, a, a big boss man of those eras they were just big men who were great athletes regardless yeah. of the size you know what i, I mean and that. i feel I like piper's yep. more in that realm she's more in the bam bam like you're just a really good athlete and you happen to also be large which makes it great i see that where see sam that. is like oh you are doing almost lucha stuff at your size that's impressive because of your size and his you know moonsault's I mean? from the second rope right he doesn't even yeah. go to the top yeah that's crazy yeah. which is not <laughs> he doesn't want to give himself the extra two and a half feet like are you fucking kidding me dude <laughs> yeah he shorts himself on it and still does it and you're like fucking sam stackhouse is yeah. okay <laughs> yeah. yeah uh just in time to say uh Piper Niven is awesome. The better version of Nia Jax, if you will. They just don't book her as a dominant threat, which she clearly could and should be. I think it's more than just not booking her that way, but I agree that that doesn't help. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't help, uh, especially with Candace getting the win here in a way that just was completely non believable at all. Nikki Cross being involved in this bums me out. 
what have we gotten with Nikki Cross? That's the other thing. So you got Piper Niven, drop Dewdrop, perfect because that's terrible. Got to get rid of Nikki A.S.H. Terrible, awful. Nikki still does cameos with a Nikki A.S.H. stand-up behind her because it meant that much to her. I even heard... It was on. It was on. I'll give credit sometimes on Dax Harwood's podcast. The co-host said that. So after uh, Dax had said he hadn't watched a ton or watched anything top to bottom WWE since he had left, uh, not because he hated him or anything, but just time and busy and you know catches matches here and there, watches when he can, but top to bottom, it's gotta be everything. Yeah, it's gotta yes. be relevant. Yeah. So he finally watched all of Elimination Chamber and he gives a review of the full program, which is cool. It's fun. It's a nice listen. One of the things they mentioned is that the host says that he missed the Nikki ASH run because it was relatively short. And he goes, it just wasn't working. They forced her to do this thing. It was this thing that they made her do. And I was like, dude, you just aren't listening or paying attention. It wasn't something they forced her to do. It was something she begged them to do for six to nine months. Yeah. Like she was super invested in it and it was your mentality and the fans like you who shit on it because you didn't believe it was her idea. And even it funnier made it not work. because it would have worked otherwise. The you know? the idea or the 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 notification that it was her idea came from her husband. He was the one that put it on Twitter that when she finally won the title, that I'm so proud of you. It took you X amount of months to get this approved and all that stuff. Like he put all that out there. So even if you're a WWE hater and you follow everything else besides that, you don't even realize that like the information that it was her idea came from outside of WWE. Yeah, like yeah, this yeah. is yeah, yeah. I yeah. hate it. And there was the the artist who did uh, the concept drawings for Nikki Ash. Yeah, Robert Downey, I think his name is something like that. Uh-huh. I follow him online too. He does a lot of great art, and he's always done a ton of fan art for for actually Piper and Nikki. Uh, and it's very very cartoony. So sometimes I wonder if that may have hurt the original presentation. If I have this concept, look at it, and it's a real cute little drawing of a cartoony version that that may have. I, I mean, it may have helped in the this is with the visualization, but it may have hurt with like I want this to be taken seriously. Like I just don't know. Uh, art, all art is going to be perceived differently by everyone you hand it to. So I just wonder. Yeah. I wonder if going to Vince with a cute little drawing was hard for him to take seriously. Yeah. I wonder, which may have been part of why it took so long. But at the same time, he had even come out at one point and said, "Oh yeah, I did this drawing fucking a year ago for her." Like she yeah. reached out, right? So, yeah. so then, yeah, here we are. Triple H is in charge. Let's drop do drop. Let's drop Nikki Ash. Let's finally make these women mean something. And where are we at now with Piper Niven and Nikki Cross? They mean less now than they did before. They're less yep. connected, and now you have a shy Nikki Cross. And like, Nikki's amazing, dude. Before we even went live, I've been texting you for days about I don't know how I'm supposed to do this show. <laughs> because I like to be positive about all my favorites yeah. at the very least. I try to ignore yeah. the things that I don't like, except with yeah. Gargano. I can't help but shit on Gargano. What am I going to do? Charlotte, we can't help but shit on Charlotte. But for the most part, if we don't really like something, we try to move on. Yeah. If we really like something, we try to really hone in and explain why we like it. But at the end of the day, like so much right now is so hard to stomach because they're your favorites and they're floundering in such a way that feels so ridiculously unnecessary because they've taken so many steps backwards. 
You know what I mean? And Nikki's one of those ones where now she's shy yeah. and I don't have any of my friends. And what happened to let Nikki play? Like, yeah, a thousand percent. No, like, and and I tried to give you the the idea that like, look, when when I get on here and I shit on AEW and all that stuff, like, it's never from a perspective that like WWE is imperfect. But this was an opportunity this week to show that like those WWE imperfections they exist, and this was a fucking show of that. I mean, I even said that in SmackDown about, you know, Triple H and his his terrible placement for, you know, some superstars. Like, that's what we're getting here. We're yeah. getting terrible booking, as they say. Plus, that's why Tony Khan's Booker of the Year, right? Like, yep. you know, in in how things are coming across on Raw, this this one in particular, I didn't find the overall show too hard to watch. I see how you can, because you're not a Street Profits guy. You're not a Johnny guy, and the main event as much as you love everyone involved, it just wasn't good, but that's what we should do. We should come on here and we should say, Hey, look, as much as I love these characters, performers and all that shit at times they miss. And this one was a fucking miss. Look, and, and this is, this is my problem. Even True. with the WWE guys who absolutely love Montez Ford, I get it. I'm watching Montez during the promo and I go, this guy acts above his weight class, but Dress for the job you want, not the one you got, right? Mm -hmm. So if he wants to act like he is hot shit, that's the only way they're going to perceive him as hot shit. So, okay. Granted, good for you. Be that guy. Guess what? You have There's to back There's a it real up. fine line between hot shit and a steaming pile of shit. Don't disagree. Do not Raise disagree. The thing is, when people go, Montez is fucking amazing at this and all that, he like he tried to diss the entire bloodline without showing respect to the bloodline. And I have a big fucking problem with that. Because you should show you should show respect to because Paul Heyman says it all the time. He goes, he goes, if I say that you're nothing and I beat you, then I beat nothing. What value is that for me? If I say you're the greatest of all time and I just so happen to beat you, fuck it, man. I just beat the greatest of all time. Yeah. Or if I On say you're the greatest night. of all time, if I say you're the greatest of all time and I lose to you, guess what? I lost to the greatest of all time. If I say you're shit and I lose to you, guess what? We're both shit because I lost to shit and you're shit. So we have to build each other up while saying I'm better than you, not you're worse than me. And Montez's approach to the bloodline was you guys ain't shit. And then I watched the match and I watched Jimmy Uso go, Hey guys, no worries. I got this. And Jimmy's controlling the entire fucking match. And then there's this spot. Look at, look at the background bloodline, baby bloodline. Point. When there's this goes, spot in the match, we the where one. I, I had, to, I had to text you. I go, did you just see that? And you go, you know, I turned it off when I saw Montez, <laughs> when I saw the Street Profits. Honest to God, spot. as soon as their music hits, I start bringing the volume down because both of them yeah. are so loud and obnoxious. The fact that Dawkins first, like, fucking, the <laughs> fact they come out and Montez starts to say something and Dawkins can't help but, yeah! <laughs> fucking stop. You're not a foghorn, dude. Like, it's not hyping me the up. Usos. It's annoying me. The Usos have been tag teams for over 500 days, right? Yes. Because they're shit. And, and Montez going, oh my God, look, it's the bloodline. We should be so scared. You should. You should be scared. They are the 
best tag team of all time. They're the longest reigning tag team champions of this particular term. They're going to, they passed the new day, right? Like they had the match to hand over the record. Like they are the longest reigning tag team champions of all time. They're fucking incredible. But the fact that the street profits don't show them that respect is a big fucking problem. Now they have that spot where Montez is supposed to go off the top rope and Montez fucks up and Jimmy is there. Then you can see Jimmy go, I'm coming up. And then Jimmy does some shit to Montez to be able to climb up the ropes, reset the spot. So then Jimmy falls off. So Montez can do the fucking spot that happened in that match. Stop telling me Montez is worthy of he's the next rock. He's going to have a world title moment. He's not, he is not fucking ready. He is not ready. Two years ago, when you guys, and not you, but you guys, wanted to tell me that Bianca was ready. She wasn't. When Sam Roberts got into shit on commentating on NXT that Bianca's not ready, she wasn't. This shit takes time, and it has to translate properly. Mm -hmm. By all means, whatever it takes, earn your money. The Titanic commercial with, uh, with Montez and Bianca, pretty funny. I thought it missed a little bit, but it was pretty funny. Okay, they are something. They are stars. But what they are not is ready. They are not faces of the company. Yeah, Bianca is a face of a generation. She's a face of young African-American women who have someone to idolize, and I appreciate that. Oh, they yeah. have someone She's to go after. It's fucking amazing. It is amazing. She is Speaking not of that Titanic a commercial, standard bear. Yeah. That was literally... The best I've ever seen Montez perform. It was his literal best performance because he was dialed back by 600%. <laughs> he came off natural. His voice was different. Dude, listen to it. I was like, oh, he sounds believable. He's talking. He sounds yeah. honest. Yeah. He sounds genuine. He sounds like he's talking to a loved one. Right. Where the second he comes out, Fucking what city were they in here? Oh, you know what? This this I just figured it out. Do it. They're behind the curtain and they go, hey, let's go put on a show. So they go out and put on a show where the Usos and the Bloodline are like, hey, let's go do our thing. And they go out and they do their thing. Yeah. They they go try to put on a show. Yeah. Let's go be our let's go. That's where we the ones came from. Blue Boy says Montez's best work is yes. organic promo. And it was. That we the ones came from. The Usos in the back saying, man, we're the ones, we the ones who do this day in and day out. We show up. We show out. We're at every house show, every pay-per-view, every kickoff, every main event, wherever they need us, they put us. There was a, what was it? Because Corey had mentioned it as a joke that they had done a big match for the, the main event of, of, had to be raw because it was uh Corey. And he said, as he walked towards the back, he sees the Usos and he goes, Hey man, they just told me they need you to go back out there and do another one for the dark match. You're going to be, uh, you're going to be the other one. And he said, they didn't even look at him. They just went, all right, Us, give me two seconds. And they started right to clean up. And he goes, Oh no, no guys, I was just messing. And they're like, are you sure? Cause if we need, if we need, we we're, we're the ones who are going to do it. Like they didn't hesitate. They didn't, flinch they didn't go are you serious man i just put on a 20 minute clinic they just went oh you need me again i'm gonna go you know what i mean so the we the ones uh 
came from them being the ones to show up and do the thing every week and take on that responsibility. So the idea that, that, man, that vodka hit good and fast. I'll be honest. But so the idea that they're at where they're at, it isn't, isn't a surprise at, at the very least, but like, yeah, I totally forgot where I was going with that. And then Bishop had to step away to remind, not to remind me. Uh, but yeah, I think that them showing up and saving this match in those spots, like, like Bishop had said, fucking just, it just highlights all of that. And yeah, I had muted all of it because why would I listen to them both screaming for a while? I don't know. Uh, but as we keep going, the, to me, street profits, are not watchable, so I didn't watch much of this match. It was the one part that kind of falls in my category of Triple H goes on a lunch break. Uh, but I understand a lot of people like them and do what they do. Uh, it does come up to the VIP lounge. I really liked Brock Lesnar coming out first. MVP coming out looking very concerned. <laughs> like, why are you out here before me? The MVP Brock Lesnar thing was so good that it only just makes me question why are we actually getting almost versus Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania? Is this some kind of swerve? Is this some kind of, is, is it just what we're getting? Dude, here's the deal. Like we know from podcasts and interviews, Brock didn't want to work with Dean Ambrose and that's why they had the match that they had. Brock didn't want to work with Bray Wyatt, and that's why that match never really took place, and that's why this match is likely not work, not taking place either. Brock Lesnar does what he wants with who he wants. Why does he want to work with Almost? Like, Almost is good, and he's a big, strong, powerful dude, and he had a great match with Bobby Lashley. Bobby Ma Lashley made him look like a beast. Undertaker said Almost is the closest thing he's ever seen to Andre the Giant since Andre the Giant which is a huge compliment because it's not that almost is the biggest guy he's ever seen. It's because the Andre could also work. And a lot of the big guys they get can't work. Shouts to, to giant Gonzalez. So almost being able to function on a level that makes guys like undertaker think about Andre is huge. So it could be that Brock's doing something like that. However, I'm just not sure. Are we really getting Almost versus Brock Lesnar, and what does that look like and mean? What do you think? I don't know what it's going to look like, and it scares me. It's crazy. Because what does I mean, say look about with Dean. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to work with Dean. Almost, I want that guy. What? Right, right. <laughs> Which is odd because that match with Dean is a lot of what we thought. Brock was as a performer, right? Because it went with yeah. the old narrative of who he is, not the one who he is now, where his on-screen character was supposedly his off-screen persona. But now we're seeing that his on-screen character now is more akin to his off-screen persona. So what what Brock is, is this? Um, but I've said it several times on this show, I believe it was on episode one, Brock Lesnar's top three all-time at giving himself to his opponents. So yeah. is he here to help make Omos look good? Is he going to allow Omos to choke slam him through the table? Okay. But how do you get there? Cause I've never seen Omos believably get there. 
Well, Bobby, I would say that that whole match was believable and good. The Bobby almost was his best match to date. But that was what, WrestleMania last year? Yeah, it was a fucking long time ago. <laughs> but he still had a great match a long time ago. I don't know, man. I don't know. I hope, and, and, and is Brock, I is Brock willing to do that much work, though? That's the thing. That's what I'm you saying. Know? Is I don't know shit, but I hope that Brock is already in the ring with almost. They're literally trying stuff out together physically. Not that they're choreographing a match, but can you lift me this way? Can I lift you that way? Like, not leaving things to chance of, you're a big motherfucker. You know what I mean? You, both dudes are fucking big and fucking strong. That doesn't right. mean that they can do everything they've ever imagined. Can I get you here? Can you get me there? Feels like the kind of thing you'd want to be in the ring to try out. Not that you can't still call it in the ring, but what can we physically accomplish that looks good? You know what I mean? Because I feel like Brock's remember a when, type. Remember, remember when Omos was the uh, ninja for yeah. Akira Tozawa? Yeah. And remember when he was the bouncer for Raw Underground? Yeah, it was good. Yeah, that was his best work. Yeah. What are you talking about? Him versus Bobby was sick, dude. You didn't like that match. I I enjoyed what Bobby was able to get out of it. Piece of shit. That's why I'm here. Fucking garbage. Terrible. Terrible. Can we take uh, podcast.com? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you think about Brock, uh, Brock and MVP going back and forth, though? It was good. It was good. It was good to see because, you know, we kind of get lost in the – you know, especially, uh, you know, viewers like me and you who took such a long break. You know, those guys are contemporaries. You know, they spent a lot of time yeah. together at some point in time. So to be able to see them, like, work together, like, it's fun, you know? Yeah. So, like, and then you you kind of see that fun where, like, they both get it. You know, they're both old as fuck in wrestling terms. And they just went to have some fun together. So I thought it was cool. It was pretty fun. Every moment I thought this might be going a little too long. They would say or do something else that went, I'm so glad I got to see that. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so good. Uh, and Brock, Brock's the fucking best. I swear on everything. The, the slow motion take of Brock getting spit in the face, he doesn't fucking move at all. Like, not. No. He doesn't even fucking blink. Like, you're going to move a muscle of some sort. He never does. Not one Dude. muscle moves. We get spit in the face. No one. He doesn't move a muscle. It was incredible. <laughs> it was amazing. And I, you, you can even see it coming. As soon as he pulled out the flask, I was like, "Oh shit!" MVP's gonna spit in his face. Right. Was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, "Wait." <laughs> and then she did. I did, and she's like, "What the fuck?" And also, like, sometimes you just know what's coming. Uh, yeah, I loved it. Uh, let's see. Oh, and I kept thinking, though, that that was going to be their out. The, yeah. Instead of like, look, I'm willing to face almost, but I'm not waiting on Mania. I'll knock out your guy next week. And then he would, right. and we'd get a bigger match for Mania. But Because to be honest, Brock versus almost does not feel like a big match. Not for it doesn't Brock. do anything for me. It just doesn't. It doesn't do anything for me. And it's honestly, I know I was joking a little bit. Like, it, it doesn't do anything for me from a want to see this perspective. Like, the way they built Brock and or Bobby and Omos last year was the Hurt Business connection, right? It was that whole, you know what I mean? It was that whole, this is my new protege thing. So yeah. it works, but this doesn't. 
This yeah. is just, yeah. I call you out, you call me out, this thing happened. And where's Brock's come up in for uh, laying out everyone at uh, Elimination Chamber, you know? Because they and even Rumble. said it on he commentary. Like, out of refs. Yeah. They said and on commentary, oh, that's going to cost them. That's going to cost them. No, nothing cost right? them shit. Yeah. And they fired, in kayfabe, they fired Bobby Lashley because he attacked a ref. Right. Brock's attacked refs twice now. Right. And Adam Pierce screamed at Bobby Lashley, you left me no choice. I don't have a say in this. You're fucking fired. Right. And Bobby's well, like, he apologized on social media the next day. So Sure he did. <laughs> Motherfucker blocks anybody. <laughs> uh, Forgot about that. <laughs> Cody Rhodes versus Chad Gable. I loved because Chad Gable is so fucking good, dude. His selling is incredible. He took a, a crossroads on the fucking face. I've never seen a crossroads be taken that way, and it looked amazing. And as soon as he did, I went, oh, shit. Here we go. That's the move. That's the move. That's what it's supposed to look like. People forget that more than half of the move is the sell. Correct. You can do your move, but how a person sells it, I mean, that's the, why they call it the sell. You're selling what happened. So the way Gable sold it made me go, oh, to be honest, let me go back to uh, the 60s. Someone posted on Twitter recently, and I retweeted it and said, I didn't understand the arm drag until now. They were showing an old, I want to say it was Luthez and someone, uh, an old wrestling match with a bunch of little clips. And in the arm drag, he grabs the arm with like, both his arms and whips the guy down and the guy's forced down on his back and i went oh shit that's a fucking arm drag you dragged him by the arm to the ground right what do we see for arm drags now it's like a, a hook and whoop, and whoop. A, a little arm comes over their arm kind of goes there and they throw themselves over and it's really obvious that they're throwing themselves over. It's why I've had such a hard time with Humberto Carrillo because all he does so many arm drags and it's uh, 90% the other person. So I'm all like, all you're doing is flipping and the person's flipping over you. Yeah. It looks like fish dancing. That. So go back to your point and then factor in how Rhonda does an arm drag. She does it with the intent of using her shoulder to bring yeah. the body down, you know, and that kind mm -hmm. of thing looks silly or stupid to the regular viewing public. But anytime, and that's honestly Rhonda's biggest disconnect is she does too many real moves. Yeah. Because everything's so uh, synchronized now. I don't want to say choreographed, mm -hmm. but synchronized. And well, to, to my point, my honest. Charlotte point, how does Charlotte receive an arm drag when it's done on her every time? You, you he, She damn near puts her fucking wrist on the mat to receive yeah. an arm drag. Her arm is straight out, ready to go. Like, no, pull me. Make sure you pull me because I have to roll on my shoulder. Like, it's, yeah, that. She's rolling before they're falling. But, yeah. Like, but yeah. everyone is. That's not just a yeah. Charlotte thing. But, uh, yeah, they all are. So. Well, it's the, it's, it's the lead into it that bothers me. But I hear you. Yeah. And that's yeah. the problem I had with Humberto is I was like, your whole match looks like shit because you're the man of a thousand arm drags and no one takes right. an arm drag well. Right. Because no one's had to. Because everyone's a good partner. But when I looked right. at the fucking match from the 60s, I went, Oh, that's why it's a staple because you're fucking whipping this dude onto the ground because you're like, fuck right. you, dude, I'm pulling you down. It's why I have a problem with Drew McIntyre. His uh, belly to belly to belly is dude, 90 they listen the to other me. person. They listen to me because they started calling it a throw like a couple months ago. 
a belly to belly throw as opposed to a suplex. Because yeah. it's not. Because he's not dips a suplex. Beneath the guy, and he barely grazes their stomach as they throw yeah. themselves over him. Yeah. And it looks stupid because it looks like you're not doing it. Correct. You know what I mean, like all you have to do is push. You can push the air directly below them by an inch. I mean, it's right. the whole Ric Flair thing, right? He always said that he punched a, a a thread in his apartment or his hotel as hard as he could until he could punch it as hard as he could without it moving. And that's how he learned how to throw a punch for wrestling. How do you pull back at the last possible millimeter? Right? These guys aren't learning that now because everyone's a good partner. It's my problem with EO. And Candice, they have terrible matches because they're very good partners. Right. Because they practice really well together. And I say that uh, because in self-defense courses I had to take for law enforcement, it was always about, all right, be a good partner and follow through. In my mind, a lot of it was like, what about resistance? Yeah. Resistance. These inmates are not going to be a good partner when it comes time. When when my life is on the line, and it will be, they're not going to be a good partner. That's what I need to be ready for. Because there was a few times where we were doing the disarming with the pistol. Like, how do you, if someone's going for your pistol, how do you regain control immediately? And I took that pistol from my partner every time. And at one point, they're like, you got to be a good partner. And I was like, I want him to live. Right. That's what we're practicing. Are you going to live right now or not? Right. And it was tough because I had to be a good partner. And I worried about that guy for a long time. I think he's fine. I don't think it ever came up. A lot of stuff doesn't ever come up. A lot of yeah, it doesn't come for sure. up. For sure. But the, but the fact of the matter is, is when it comes up, what's your muscle memory going to be, right? Yeah. And so these people are all really good partners. And that tends to lead towards really bad visuals because it's all like, all right, follow through. But when we do it for real, we'll go a little harder. No, no, no do it for yeah. real every time. And then you never have to worry about it, right? Um, but Cody, quick, back Gable, to, loved it. Yeah. Go ahead. To Cody and Gable, I watched it and I go, and this is no offense to Daniel Garcia, but like I watched it and go, Cody must be saying, and I'd have been wrestling Daniel Garcia right now. Yeah. Like there's there's a big difference in the, and it's not enhancement talent, but it is like there's a big difference in yeah. the, in the training on the job talent the the warm-up matches, so to speak. Like, the guys you get to work with leading to your big match. There's a big fucking difference in what WWE provides. That that off-story talent that you work with. Gable is perfect at wrestling. He's fucking perfect. And how many of those guys exist in that other company? You know? He's a fucking Olympian. He's any... Well, and that's... I, I get that. I get that. But there's... Like and they say that about Kurt Angle, like taking to that performance style. What you just said about Ric Flair being able to punch the thread without punching the thread, like being able to perform moves. Like I, I and I think Ken Shamrock should be in the WWE Hall of Fame for it too. Like the guy was the most legit fucking badass of all time, but was believably losing matches and believably winning matches without going overboard. The guy yeah, can literally he's kill not. you. What's up? It's wild that he's not now that you say that. Yeah. You said it out loud and yeah. I went, fuck, he's not in the Hall of Fame. What the fuck? Yeah. He was the like first he could... guy. He led the road. You don't get Kurt Angle without a Ken Shamrock. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's so being a being an Olympic athlete, sure, but we're seeing it with like um, you know, Gable Stevenson's not here yet. Why? 
Is it because he doesn't have that natural ability to put both together? Gable does, sure. you know, but his ability to be a an Olympic level athlete because Ronda too. Ronda's an, a, a, a judo bronze medalist. Guess yes. what? It's not always translating in the ring, but Gable does it on the mic. He's always done it in the ring. His technical right. ability is just fucking insane. You know, but but what, what kind say- of it- that's why I'm saying why he's an Olympic athlete is it's the same concept of D1 athletes and Olympic athletes is these are people who perform and train in a different way. You're yeah. not just yeah, athletic yeah, yeah. because every time we watch a match with him, producer ladies all like, he's so strong and you'd never think it. And I was like, because yeah. his body's trained different than the rest of ours. Yeah. And I say ours, like I'm fucking trained. <laughs> he's trained different than other just other athletes because people are trained to lift with their legs right lift with your legs squat lift with your legs when you're an olympic athlete you're trained to lift with your legs but to utilize your back arms and shoulder in that same yeah. move yeah to get the most out of it you can lift more you might not be able to bench press as much as big e but you could probably throw a sack of shit that's heavier than big e because your yeah. body's trained in a way to force all the muscle activation at once to yeah. get that win because especially with Olympic wrestling, it's a one second pin. It's explosive. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I was watching Brock Lesnar do the uh the F5 and MVP, and he stood up before MVP was done selling the slam. And I go, yeah. Brock Lesnar is 100 percent fast twitch muscle. Like everything, yeah. his entire body moves at a sprint. Like, what yep. the fuck, man? But Gable's that kind of guy, too, and I think it's awesome. So 100%. that was one thing I thought that like Cody coming to WWE, I'm wondering if he like took for granted the out of storyline talent that you get to work with. So I'll say this about Cody and Chad, because you know how much I love the dirt sheets. Rumor has it according to the dirt sheets, because to me talking about dirt sheets is like talking about morning radio. Cody wanted to sign Chad Gable to AEW when his contract was up, that he was one he specifically wanted, and that that's why this match happened. He specifically asked to have a match with Chad Gable. So I don't think that if that were all to be true, I don't think that he undermines the importance of of what he's got in front of him by by any means. Um, Because he obviously understands just the level that Gable is. Right. as we keep it moving, though, we don't want to be here forever. Oscar versus Carmella, I thought was a damn near perfect match. Same. It just was amazing. Same. And listening to Carmella on After the Bell, she's an incredible human being who happens to be a performer that we get to enjoy. The connection she made in there, too, was remember last week, I was all like, it feels like a sharp left turn, but maybe it's a melding of the two. And I said, you know what? Because as you're starting to talk, I do say, well, she is wearing that bra top like she's been wearing his most beautiful woman. So maybe it really is somewhere in between. And then you take over. She said that specifically. She was trying to go back to the Staten Island Queen, but trying to keep some of the most beautiful woman to try and meld it into a more collaborative concept. And that's exactly why she's wearing basically leather pants leather whatever rubber vinyl pants almost uh why they're sagging but with a lead edge of a thong instead of boxers why the top is the same top as before is because she wants it to be a growth in that direction and i had in that moment 
not made that connection, but was starting to, she put that all together where it's kind of like, yes, I should have seen it. Uh, her character work, her ability to do this, like you said, she even said she's most comfortable in that specific Staten Island queen princess kind of concept. She said it too. Like anyone who hasn't listened to after the bell with Carmela, do it because you'll understand so much more about who she is versus who she portrays. She's a top five on the roster to me at any given day and people shit on her. And I, I just, she's one. I mean, I think I said it last week too. If you talk shit on Carmela, if you talk shit on Natty, I know you don't know what you're talking about and I'm probably going to mute you because you don't get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Carmela uses her character to help the other person get over 100% of the time. And that is in as that's the most wrestling you'll ever hear me talk. Like there's not one person that she wrestles that doesn't look better as a character wrestling next mm. to Carmela. Yeah. Because Carmela being when she, when she was Mela is money. She was never Mela is money in front of the character she was opposing's face. But now she's doing all that stuff. She's doing all this in the she's mixing all the characters at once. But what is she doing in the end? She's getting kicked in the face. And she's losing because the arrogance proves that she's not as good. But during the whole match, she doesn't fuck up, and the other character looks stronger. Oscar looks better for have wrestling Carmella, and she's uh-huh. done that. She's done that so many times. Somebody fucking called her the super kick spammer, Carmella. Well, I guess you don't like the fucking young bucks, but again, oh, yeah, you just like the Usos, just like the Usos. Carmella uses the super kick as a jab. Yeah. Now, yes, she did to finish Natty with the super kick in the elimination chamber, and I did find that timing a little tough. That I didn't think Natty was worn out by the time she caught the super kick from Carmella. So, with that in mind, with a jab, you could win off a jab if it's blind at the right time. At the right time, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like she does it to fucking knock the person, and worst case. They're going to be jarred. Best case, yeah. you get them at the right moment and they're out. You know what I mean? Like any yeah. jab, you could break someone's nose with a jab. Sure, over, sure, right. Sure. It just—it's about that timing. So I think that for one, Natty's amazing, and she was—I'm sure part of her was like, "Let's put over that fucking super kick." <laughs> so sick because that's just it. Carmela lands it so good. She's good. She's great at it. She's one of the top five super kicks. I got her, Dolph Ziggler, Usos. Kevin Owens, Carmella. Those are my favorite super kicks in the biz, if I'm yeah. being honest. And I say biz because that's how we talk. Right. <laughs> well, no, I think I don't know if we talked about this on air or not, but Carmella as a talent, as the athlete, is super underrated. Like, oh yeah. And then you factor in her character work. The way she was doing the most beautiful woman, putting the mask on and Zelina helping her with the mask. Like, oh my God, don't touch me, don't touch me. Like, you know, doing all of that. Or um, I, I told you, like when when the missus and I went to, and she's covering her face. Uh, <laughs> goes, How bad is it? And she goes, "Oh, thank God, you're still beautiful." <laughs> that type of character work is supposed to get you to hate her. Yes, and it works, oh, and yeah, it works, and kidding. because it works for people like me and you, we appreciate that, and we're glad that the other person won, yeah. because we know that Carmela is enjoying the work that she's doing to help this other person win. And when you can see people like that perform their side of it and and know because and she said it on after the bell 
yes, of course, I'd love to be Royal Women's Champion. Who wouldn't want to win all the titles? But I just want to go out and tell great stories. From yep. that moment on, she's top three. Yep. Becky, Bailey, Carmella. I don't care. Asuka is the best the best actual women's wrestler of all time. She she can out-wrestle anyone any given day. But when it comes to promos and character work and all that stuff, I got Becky number one. Carmella, she's right there. Bailey right is there. right there. Anyone else? Yeah. Go ahead. You can have whoever you want. I'll take those three, four, and then anyone. And that's including Rhea. Rhea's almost at that level. Yeah. It's getting there. But when you look at what Carmella's able to do, like, yeah. fuck, she's so good. And as an athlete, the particular athlete, look at her athleticism. She is fucking incredible. Yeah, if I had an infinite budget and I was creating a women's uh, promotion and I could only have three without caps on salary and then the rest will figure out, those are my three for sure. Becky, Bailey, Carmella, because they can do it all, all of them, every one of them to perfection every time. You know what? And here's the other deal too. Carmella as a heel, you know, is so natural and good because like her laugh is obnoxious. Yeah. And I'm not saying that as like a dick. I pay attention to laughs a lot. I've always been really involved in comedy one way or another. Her laugh comes off cocky. Like you're welcome. I'm I'm laughing. Right. You. Right. 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 I fucking love it so much so that when she laughs on the show, I'm like, ah, oh, fucking obnoxious. <laughs> and I hear her laugh on like after the bell because she's actually laughing about something. I can't help but laugh because I'm all like, yeah, fuck, I want to boo you. Like, yeah, it's yeah, so yeah, yeah. good. But she's also such a good fucking person that you just want the success, right? But yeah, she's she's top three for sure. Character work. It's hard to argue that anyone's doing a better character through and through in every moment in motion than her she's never yeah. off ever you know yeah and Absolutely. she can switch it up on the drop of a hat she's one of the very few she she has that in her to tomorrow if she wanted to do a seven second dance break with our truth she turns baby face one thousand oh, yeah. percent oh yeah yeah she's not a bad baby face by any means no 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 she's a fucking phenomenal but, baby face she's an outstanding yeah. baby face and that's what's that's what's odd is that she can be so disliked to the point where people even forget how good she is as a wrestler to where she can be so fucking loved as a babyface that nobody cares about her wrestling. That's how good she is. Right. I can't discount the fact that she, who else in the entire company could effectively suck the air out of a stadium? Because she did that at SummerSlam against Bianca. When Sasha wasn't there, it was, we need something to pull the literal oxygen out of every lung in that building because we need a big pot for the actual payoff, right? I don't think, I've said it before, I'll never stop saying it, Becky doesn't get the pop she got without Carmella coming out first. She would have got a big reaction, a big ovation. Everyone loves Becky. But I don't – sometimes I wonder, do people love Becky more than they hate Carmella at times when Carmella wants you to hate her? If she wants you to hate them, hate her, she'll get you there. I felt the oxygen just being sucked out of that dome, dude. It was – and the more she did, the more you heard like, oh. <laughs> Yeah. People were fucking pissed. Everything she did and said 
and I'm watching her. It's like she's she's milking this crowd so hard, and they don't even get it to where the second you hear, oh, you can't. There was a pause. If you hear the music, the 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 pop is a half second late because everyone's <sighs> right. They had to breathe in to get the pop out. <gasps> like she pulled the oxygen out of every lung in a stadium. Who could do that? Who else could do that to give Becky the ovation she wanted? It's insane, dude. It was, She's a, on it was his, yeah. High level. It was incredible. It was incredible. I, I, I love it so much. One of my favorite moments of having a podcast is when Jeremy and time came on to the TLC watch along and was like, I'm not a fan of Carmella and Carmella and Sasha had that amazing match. And he goes, you know what? Carmella's pretty fucking good. You know, it's, if you, if you stop looking at her as if you don't like her and pay attention to what she actually does, she doesn't miss. No, never. Uh, speaking of miss, miss TV came up, uh, Bobby Lashley <laughs> versus Elias. Uh, it was what it was. We already talked about the Bray thing. Uh, Seth Rollins was funny, but it was also the worst production I've ever seen. They kept zooming Miss in TV. on the, the Miss TV. Yeah. It was just obviously pre-recorded in so many ways, and they were cutting back and forth between live and pre-record, but you could see it so clearly that I was like, this is the worst visually produced thing I've seen in a really long time. Uh, and then I got Otis versus Johnny Gargano and said, this is the worst thing I've seen on TV in a really long time. So <laughs> I do like Otis with the maximum male models, though. It's and I it's shouldn't. perfect for Otis. It is, and the he rumor did it with now, Mandy too. Yep. You know, he and finds the, a way to to act act above his stereotype in a way yes. that it's it doesn't it doesn't make you go, oh, good for him. You enjoy the work he's doing. Yes. Yeah, he's a special talent for sure in a lot of ways. Super friendly too. I did a, a backstage uh, tour once of Raw, the, the Royal Rumble weekend, and him and Tucker were behind the curtains and like popped out. Hey guys, <laughs> and he was just kind of like there, and, was like, and I was like, "Oh shit!" And I was like, "Hey, what's up?" And like, they just wanted to pop the the guys. There's like, "Hey, yeah. the kids are coming through." You know what I mean? Like, we're just we're hey, little fans are coming through. Let's let's fucking give them a moment. Otis and Tucker, Shane McMahon, Mickey James, and Alicia Fox, all and Jinder Mahal, all went out of their way to make sure that that little tour got a little something special. None of them needed to do it, especially not right. on the level that they did. Right. Um, but that always stood out. Otis, and they were new on the, the main roster. They Heavy Machinery was not that big at that point, but they said, let's go play with them. That always stood out. Like, those are good dudes, you know? And Shane. Came up right behind me and I was like, oh shit, Shane. He's like, Shh. you know, like what? And like right in front of me was a little kid. So he just goes right next to the kid and he starts walking. He goes, hey man, you like wrestling? You know? And he starts talking to this fucking like 12 year old, maybe. And, just, and I was all like, God, these guys, they fuck, they're so fucking good at this, man. They just, they know how to make things special for people. And Otis will never not be the guy who tried to make it a little more special. And he was the first one to do so. He was the first one to pop out. So, uh, 
But yeah, Gargano wins because what the fuck? Why not just have a shitty match? So uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that does bring us to the main event. And this has been the saddest part of my life. And I've been belaboring it forever. You have literally six of my favorite women in wrestling tied together in one of the biggest misses in raw main event history and that sucks man that sucks like i don't know how i'm supposed to talk about this the match was bad i don't know why you would take the titles off of damage control right here i don't know who you have beat becky and lita for a good feeling moment right this didn't feel good in this moment i mean i guess the 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 quote obvious thing is Rhonda Shayna versus Becky Lita at Mania. So you have Becky and Rhonda sort of touch again in Mania and who will they won't they? Maybe next year you do the one on one, but nobody fucking wants that anymore. We've right. all moved so far past it. I don't see an upside here. The only part of this match that made me go, oh shit, that was good, was Bailey selling the Trish kick. Yeah. She sold it like a fucking lump sold. of shit. Right. What? What? what you sold? said sold. Yeah, sold it. Yeah, because yeah. you <laughs> sell things. You don't sold yeah. things. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> don't sold <the> move. <laughs> <laughs> My kids in third third grade. I do that shit all the time. Yeah. Well, <laughs> your kid's trying to learn. I'm trying to get drunk. Yeah, do we got that? No, we have that, you know? (laughs) (laughs) For the record, for anyone who's confused, we are the dive bar of the IWC. We're just drunk guys on YouTube talking wrestling because we like to talk about it. So That's Uh, about it. Yeah. (laughs) Becky sold it like a fucking sack of shit, and it was awesome. Like, she goes down, and her arm comes out in a weird way. So she's laid out in the weirdest position that just makes you go like, Oh, she's out, out. Right. Right. Trish came out way too early. Yeah. The numbers game was not an issue until one singular moment. That really wasn't that big of a moment. The, I mean, I guess the second best part was that Bailey successfully distracted the ref by doing something that would make sense to distract the ref. So right. it didn't look stupid in that moment. However, the ref looks stupid in every other moment because of the way that nobody tried to abide by rules. Dude, this was sad to watch for me because I fucking love Becky. And her having a tag team championship with Lita should feel so nice. I have a plaque on the wall of when Sasha and Bailey won the tag team titles for the first time, because to me that was such a special moment because I have two nieces very close in age. And in my mind, I was all like, they could grow up to believe they could become tag team champions and they'll never know a world otherwise. Cause they were two, three months old at that time. And to me, I cried because I thought they'll never live in a world where that's not possible. And I've been living in that world for 30 years right. where it's not possible. And now you have my favorite, and the inspiration of my other favorite, not to say Lita's not one of my favorites. I was a fan of hers when she was Miss Congeniality in ECW. I remember when she showed up, I was like, oh shit, she's great. She's trained in Mexico. I know her. And the moment happens and all I went was, hmm. I guess Raw's over. 
this was such a miss and i it makes me feel like shit as a fan who loves all these people and comes on here to talk about how great they are and everything they do it was tough it was tough you know we were trying to parse it out before we went on to make sure that we could be honest without um doing a disservice to authenticity and i think for me yeah i'll just say it this way the hardest part for me is that we get such high quality entertainment that in in this moment where it felt like it wasn't all in sync why change the titles for the sake of this moment if it wasn't going to be perfection and I'll I'll just say it this way. It really does appear like Lita is walking as opposed to being a full force in the match. And I'm not I I can't I'm not there so I don't know her mentality. I don't talk to her so I don't know her mentality. But it appeared disinterested, it appeared uh formulaic, it appeared a lack of enthusiasm where we've seen her come back. Even her match with Becky last year was awesome. They did a fantastic job. Yes. Yes. So they have this ability to to go through matches with emphasis. And in the beginning of the match, I thought something was off because Becky and Lita were both really stoic. But then Becky even like gives a a shoulder bump to Lita like, hey, let's walk forward here. It was almost as Lita was on autopilot listening to Becky the whole time from the from the second that match from the introductions of the match, watch Becky kind of nudge Lita like, hey, we're going to walk forward now. Becky treated Lita like the rookie in this. Did Lita need to be treated like a rookie? Was something wrong with Lita that she had to be treated like a rookie to be walked through this match? It Something felt really, really off. And that's why if, if something was off, then don't change the titles. Write yourself. It's, it's your show. Right, whatever opportunity you want for them to win those titles more believably later to where it does mean something. Because to your point, it didn't fucking mean anything. By the time the bell rang, it meant nothing. And that sucks. That sucks. And more importantly, for the scope of the women's division, damage control has been on this up and down since SummerSlam. This is like another low point for them where they then don't perform too well and they also lose the match. Now damage control is literally worthless. I thought the chick kick was the best part of the match as well. Bailey did a great job selling it. And honestly, Trish did a great job performing it. And it really was the best performed part of that segment. Even when Becky went to do her um, her top rope leg drop. I forgot it was either Dakota Eo. They were too far into the ropes that when she does the leg drop, even commentary goes, well, Becky didn't get all of that one. Why not? Why wasn't that wrestler in position for Becky to get all of that one? It was really tough. You know what? As you were kind of describing some of it, it almost feels like and sounds like, as we're kind of breaking it down a little bit, did they not know this was going to happen? Because one of the things that producer later asked me as producer lady asked me as we watched she goes Lita's really bad she goes I didn't grow up with Lita so I don't know how good she can be but she's really bad did she not practice is it 
is it typical for people not to practice too much before they come back? And I was like, I don't have an answer for you on that. Like, I, I don't know what to tell you. I don't, I'm not an insider. I'm a drunk on YouTube. So you're an insider. I'm an insider. I make up all the headlines, but it made me wonder the way you said it. And with that in mind, is it possible? And I guess the answer is always, it's always possible. That was kind of sprung on them. Hey guys, we're going to do the match. Like last week, did they know this match was going to happen? And then this week they said, you guys are winning. Like, did right. they not know they were winning beforehand? Cause the other thing that happened at the beginning of the match, strangely, Becky can't stop smiling. And you can see her trying not to smile and breaking into a smile. Like, I can't believe I'm about to be a tag team champion with Lita. Because that's cool for her. And it's awesome for her. But this match was so, also so bad, I didn't care anymore. I didn't, it didn't feel good. Is it possible they didn't know until they got out there they were going to be winning? Is it possible that Becky was the only one that knew? Because to me, I obviously saw Becky pointing direction the entire match. Like That's she, she was, she was helping EO and Dakota get in spaces. Lita was constantly looking back at Becky. Like, what do I do now? You know, she, she sends, they did the thing where they, they do the opponent, the, the opposite corners where they're, you know, uh, doing forearms and they're like, you go this way, you go that way. Like, okay, this is the spot we're doing now. It's like, yeah. it, nothing really connected, man. Nothing really connected. It was, it was painful. It was painful as, I've come on this show, I believe it was episode one, when women's wrestling is at its best, it's better than everything else because we haven't had a chance to see as much great women's wrestling as we have seen men's wrestling. So now that we've been kind of like, now then again, that fucking Sammy Roman thing, Jesus Christ, um, which I don't even think we said on last week, um, Dijak had tweeted out, I may have seen the best wrestling match I've ever seen in my life. And for Dijak to say that, like, awesome. Um, did you say that sammy roman at elimination oh, yeah. chamber yeah so uh but no when women's wrestling is great it is as good they're, they they can garner emotion they can get you there um and this just didn't do it man it, it it sunk me down so much because when they miss oh they miss that was one of the big things i loved about sports beard is he started watching wrestling with a fresh lens that none of us have had he hadn't watched since fucking austin lost the title and he was so drawn in by the women. He goes, these women are better than the men. Do they know that? Yeah. Like, yeah. he kept saying, he goes, like, these, <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. But like you said, like, when some of this stuff misses, it's just so egregiously bad. Lita wouldn't hit the ropes, and that fucking bothered me so deeply, dude. Io whips her into the ropes so, so tr- Lita can get a Hurricane Rana on Io. And she yeah. stopped, leaned slightly back to where her arms touched, but not her back, and then ran yeah. forward as though she was propelled and we didn't see that. No, she stepped forward. It was step, 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 jump up. It, it, there yeah. really was no burst of speed. It was tough. It was just, it was so tough to watch. And I mean, I know you always got rose-colored glasses for your faves, and so I walk into it. I've been saying, what, for weeks that the Becky versus Bailey was my WrestleMania, and here we yeah. go, my WrestleMania and all that, right? And so here they are on, on, on the outside. Uh, some people were saying Lita was in a Bailey uh, tribute gear because part of her shirt was on the front, like Bailey had done with her previous gear. Maybe, maybe not. I definitely thought that 
Bailey was in like team extreme gear because she had the fishnet thing, the collar and the fucking black and white boots like Jeff wears. Uh, and so I thought like so much was there that it, you didn't have to do too much, but it felt like such a myth, dude. It felt bad, dude. It felt shitty. I know Sam Roberts talked about it on his podcast. When wrestling's good, it's so good. It keeps him up all night. When wrestling's bad, he goes to bed and feels awful. And this was one of those moments that just really felt like that. Especially as we're getting to WrestleMania, you're like, where do we actually go here? And people have said, and I believe you said it too, I guess we get Trish and Bailey one-on-one at Mania. And we get Becky Lita versus somebody at Mania, which is probably going to be Ronda Shayna. And both of those feel like two steps back into the side than just Becky Bailey, Helen, the cell yeah. at mania. Like that's what I would like to match. see. Yeah. What I would like to see is Becky and Lita forfeit the titles before the rematch with damage control. And then Trish step up and say, I'll tag with Lita at WrestleMania winner take off for the titles. So it's as if it's just titles up for grabs. And then see Becky and Bailey go at it as well. Um, and just kind of leave Ronda Shayna to the side. Or make it a triple threat somehow. But I, I hear you and I agree with you. There is no obvious place to go that's a feel-good moment for us as the fans. Now, if Bailey, as the performer, wants her WrestleMania moment with Trish, by all means, congratulations, Bailey. I'm glad you got it. She's been fucked out of WrestleMania so many times that if she gets yeah. this moment with Trish and that's special to her, then, hey, we got to take a back seat as fans. Yes. And, you know, the Becky part of it, she's had so many fucking moments for just history of it that if she gets this for her, then cool. The problem is, as fans, me and you, Becky's one of the reasons. Becky and Paige were like, when I saw that Paige was wrestling less, I, I gravitated towards Becky and I'm like, you know what? Becky's got something here. And that was all the way, way before the man. So Becky has been my reason to watch for a very long time. And for one of, and to your point too with Bailey, for our reasons to watch, not culminating to the best story we can get right now, it is a letdown as a fan. Yeah, and this is the first accomplishment Becky's ever had that made me go, oh. Right. You know what I mean? Even Becky versus Lita at Crown Jewel felt so special. Yeah. She was so untouchable that she needed the Hall of Famer to come in and try to touch her. Yeah. yeah. And this, this for whatever reason, but with all this shit together, the way that it played out is like, God, in like the worst way, it's almost like, well, good for you, I guess. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost that fucking, oh my God, I love that for you. Right. Where it's like, yeah. Which Carmela has been saying, and it's amazing. Amazing when she uses. <laughs> oh, I love that for you. <laughs> so good. So good. God, yeah, it just feels it feels bad because it feels like I'm being disingenuous to even celebrate that for Becky when I know that it's going to mean something to her. Yeah, and it feels like literally every other accomplishment made me feel good that you were experiencing that, and this is the one where I watched it and went, "Oh, what are we doing?" You know. So I don't know this. The show was tough to even want to do because this this was the end of our wrestling week, as it were, and it was such a poor display. And and I couldn't enjoy even the concept of the moment. 
I know a lot of people think we're going to get damage controlled against Becky Lee to Trish. I'd almost rather we split it up somehow. Yeah. If we're going to have, I mean, I know that it's like, hey, if Bailey really wants Trish. That's great. But I also know that Bailey's biggest inspiration growing up was Lita. She wants Lita. Trish is not Lita. It's a step to the side for sure. It's not like a step down, but like, if we're actually walking in with Becky and Lita into Mania with the titles, then I feel like you have to have a fatal four way for the tag titles. Just yeah, to get but what if Becky or what if Bailey and Trish have a match that completely shits on the Trish Charlotte match, and then you have that to hang your hat on as a Bailey fan? Every Trish match <laughs> will shit on that match. <laughs> I thought about that too because someone's all like, I saw someone tweet the other day like, "This is a sleeper that no, that's completely underappreciated and shows Charlotte versus Trish." And I was like, "It's not either of those it's things. Not, it's not. It's not. <laughs> it's not a sleeper not. hit. It's not underappreciated. It was a match that was just fine and was cool for Trish to have a last match. But to be honest, she could probably have a better match with Bailey. So. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine the striking contest she would have with Becky? That'd be good. Be great." Be good. I mean, and also, I guess I'm not, I'm not untouched by bias when it comes to even the legends, right? Like I work with Medusa, and I've talked to Medusa right. a bunch, and one of the things she has said more than once publicly is that she's kind of sick and tired that Lita and Trish are the only two legends they ever bring back for the women. Why couldn't have this been a Medusa? Right. Why can't Medusa show up and maybe coach? damage control on how to take down the likes of Lita and Trish. Like, why couldn't you use Jackie? Jackie or Ivory or, you know, anyone. Why is it that Lita and Trish are the only two that anybody ever recognized from past women's wrestling? Bull Nakano is still around and in very good shape. What if we had a fatal four-way Becky, Lita, damage control, Ronda, Shayna, and in one corner, fucking Alundra, Blaze, and Bull and Kano. You know what I mean? All right. Fuck. So Medusa's like your best friend. And I just want to say this out there, put this out there in the ethos. Me as a five, six, seven-year-old child of divorce, when we would pick up the blockbuster video of previous WrestleManias and pay-per-views and all that shit, I was super into Alundra, Blaze versus Bull Nakano as like a six-year-old. So. Yeah. Just throwing that out there. Uh, you can tell your best friend that. And then, you know, maybe one day she can say on the show, you know, thanks, Bishop. And then I can just have that as a drop for my show that I may never do again. So, I don't know. Good point. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Blue Boy speculates that it's Lita and Trish because they're the only sex symbols. And it sucks to say, but I, like, I don't, I can't see another reason. They're not the only two women who know how to wrestle, but they're probably the only two who still have implants. Like, fuck. Dude, that's what it feels like, and it sucks. You know? Yeah, no, I hear you. And, I mean, there's, you know, I I mean, I think we all said it. When Molly Holly showed up at the first Women's Royal Rumble, we're like, oh, my God, can she come back and wrestle? Like, she was was awesome in that. You know, she was amazing in that. Let's not forget Beth Phoenix. She's come back and done amazing. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, and you know what? It wouldn't even be this way if Lita put on a decent match on Raw. That would be different. Yes, yes. If she fucking killed it, you'd say she fucking killed it. But she wouldn't run the ropes. It was bad. Fuck, man. It was bad. It sucks sucks because this isn't the fun part of the show to me. 
That's okay though, because we have to do this though. We have to do this because again, I'll shit on everything, and and we're talking about like you said, not only like six of our favorites of all time, but four of the actual best at women's wrestling right now. We're we're involved yeah. in this, and they didn't perform, and that's that's a good thing to say because. We can't just make it all fucking, you know, rainbows and butterflies. Like, it's got to, we got to call it out. And I tell you this, I hope and I doubt it gets worse than this. Yeah. Yeah. And to be honest, one of my biggest pet peeves of some of the podcasts that I've seen and heard out there, some of the ones that will strictly only talk about women's wrestling and every single woman and every single thing they ever do is perfection in every way. And if you don't like a single woman and a thing, then you're a problem and misogynist. It's like, no, no, no. It's not that I don't like that person. I don't think they're good, but they missed. Right. This feels like one of those times where it's all like, it was such a big miss that it sucks. It hurts me more than them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like I'm sad as a fan that, I had to watch all of my faves not live up to a raw main event concept, right? Uh, Blue Boy does say, yeah, uh, Beth Phoenix still got it in the ring. She's a beast. I still think that Beth Phoenix is top five, maybe three of all time comebacks to the ring with time in between without ring rest. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't, outside of Shawn Michaels in 2002, has anyone had the performances that Beth's had with the amount of time in between matches that she's had? She's yeah, great. it doesn't seem like it. Yeah, it doesn't seem like she does. She does really she good work. Top two. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she does really good work. Um, fuck, I'd even like to see Beth Phoenix in this one, but I know she's doing the thing with Rhea. So, but yeah, man, this was a bummer. This is a, a sad way to end the end the week. SmackDown had a lot of misses as well. I'm still looking forward to what we can get moving on. But yeah, this was uh, this was bleak, and it was a bummer, and it kind of made me second guess if I even wanted to do the show because I don't want to come on here and shit on people that I like so much, you know. Yeah, well, we got to be honest though. So fuck yeah, it. you know what I mean. Like I, yeah. I again, that's that was kind of my my thing to you is like, in in any moment where you feel like this might not be the right show to do, we'll find a way to get it in there and and just be honest because at the end of the day. If it let us down, it's because we appreciate them so much. And we have a lot of respect and admiration for what those six women have brought to us over time that it's upsetting personally to to see something that doesn't hit par. But as knowledgeable wrestling fans or idiots with laptops and being on the Internet, like we can also say that, like, we know that there's better. We know Mm -hmm. that they can be better and we want them to be better as opposed to just saying women's wrestling fucking sucks. Uh, they should have put the men in the main event. This wasn't even worth opening the show. No, we didn't say any of that. Oh, this is true, just yeah. our, yeah, no, our honest takeaway: the fact that like we in, we appreciate them and we really wish it would have been better. So uh, we even said going into it, it again. Yeah, even going into it, I was like, "Well, goddamn right, they're the main event. It should be the main event. Like that should be right. the main event." And then it happened. I went, oh, fuck. "Yeah, yeah." So, and yeah. when the men shit the bed, we say that too. So we might as well. You know, keep it a hundred the whole way across, and and go from there. So that's true, and that's that's the end of the the end of the day. The whole thing is it was it's not about what you're drinking, it's who you're drinking with, and the idea is that our drinking buddies are open to these discussions where it doesn't hurt feelings, and we don't we're not trying to belittle someone necessarily. Uh, it's just a matter of intaking what we're what we're seeing, and sometimes it doesn't 
intake well. Sometimes it's bad and you go, oh shit, that didn't that didn't hit the way that you would expect it to given the track record there. It's more of a celebration of the track record than it is a di- diminishing of the current status, right? Correct. Uh, but to go out on a high note, Blue Boyd says Solo got married. I'm not says, sure that's, uh, that's a high happy note. news. Uh, I mean, Solo Sokoa got married. That's a nice thing. I'm sure he wanted to be married. He's not solo anymore. He's not solo though. Like that kind of fucks with his gimmick. Like I kind Plus, of you don't understand contracts. Yeah, I don't understand contracts. So I hope he can get out of it. Like, is it going to be like solo with an asterisk and then Sokoa? Right. You know what I mean? like, kind of solo. Solo. Solo parentheses ish. Yeah. Sokoa. Solo since day one ish. You know, yeah. like I don't, I don't know. I think it complicates this whole scenario here. So. No longer Solo Sokoa. <laughs> yeah. For Solo being the isolated street champ in NXT to being part of a massive faction and getting married, it just is a disconnect. Not, not quite Solo Sokoa. <laughs> yeah, but not haven't been really solo for a while, Sokoa. It's just, it's tough. Oh, it's tough because it's trying to make it work. All right, let's yeah, get congratulations. out of here. Congratulations to Solo. In being a duo. And uh, Bishop, you want to tell people where they can find your shit takes? Uh, <laughs> that's a harder logo, but better name. But yeah. at TW Takes Podcast on Twitter, TWTakesPodcast.com. But also come find me every other week here. Next week, I will not see you because I promise. But understand, we are one month away from right now from WrestleMania. And that's going to be fucking awesome. So it's gonna be dope. Cheers, my friend. Thank you for having me. Cheers to all of our drinking buddies right here uh, in the dive bar of the IWC, and we're gonna be back tomorrow night. Me and Miss Amanda Jane are talking. Oh wait, what's today? Wednesday? Oh yeah, we'll be back because tonight is Dynamite in her hometown. She already sent me pictures of her signs, so tomorrow night is gonna probably be a regaling of all of her uh, Dynamite adventures. We'll see how that goes. I wonder if she's gonna bring up Ricky Starks or Cole Cabana. Who knows? <laughs> She says, what do you get for sitting ringside at AEW? I said, you get exactly what you deserve. Yeah, you get everything you have coming to you. That's what it is. <laughs> so if you guys want to hear what it's like to be live at an AEW show, if you are a psycho fan, tomorrow night's the night. <laughs> right here in the dive bar of the IWC. Guys, that's last call. Cheers. Hey, producer lady here. Thanks for tuning in. Continue to support us or buy us a drink by following and putting the I in subscribe on Twitch. Or subscribe and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. Cheers! I would never have a drink with wrestling on the rocks.